trust. It's Tuesday, April 19th, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior! America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by! This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Mm. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again. can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off your order. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom Kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off-duty gear, Hot melted plastic made just for you. Use the code STEAK for 5% off your order. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family pumping out big, big savings, bigger than ever before. When you enter promo code STEAK at checkout at MyPillow.com. You got the MyPillow Classics, six-piece towel sets, and that Giza Dream everything mypillow.com forward slash steak is the website or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative at 1-800-658-8045 the top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment specializing in headphones can be found and heard at odyssey whether you're uh gaming potting wondering where mr blue sky's been you get those ears taken care of and done up right at odyssey.com. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. The licensed FFL, you're into the tradesies. It's got a five-star rating as well. Newly redesigned, easy-to-use website at westcoastsurvivalarms.com. Facebook Messenger via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Steak for breakfast backs the blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. When they're off-duty, they're probably wearing gear from Mediocre Medic, sweatshirts, t-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the job, and a pretty fire IG. MediocreMedic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair. Home of the Zero Fucks Duck. Dump box. Don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. You can find him on Instagram, you can find him on Facebook, and at dumpbox.us. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast or via the website at steakforbreakfastpodcast.com. There you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias, our new Substack, the Telegram, and more. And on that note, to all our friends joining us on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, and now, True Social. Welcome. Tuesday edition, Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 127. I'm Roan. Noah's here. Yo. We've got a little bit of news coming out of Easter weekend. 
besides the fact that he is risen to get into. But before we do that, we're going to get into a little bit of a delicious interview with Brent Hamachek from Human Events. All right, jumping in on the show with us first today. Um, he's done a lot and is doing even more. He's done some business consulting, professional speaking, a lot of consulting in the uh, political realm. He's currently the managing editor of Human Events. Brent Hamachek, thanks for joining us on Steak for Breakfast today, sir. Thanks for having me. I like the way you said currently managing editor. It makes me want to look at my watch to see how much time I have left. Oh, I'm sure you guys. Uh, but yes, currently uh, managing editor of Human Events. You guys are doing nice to be here. Just fine over there. It's our pleasure to host you, sir. How's everything going with you? Well, we're currently too. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, we're all we're all currently until <laughs> we're not. Uh, look, things are things are pretty terrific at Human Events. We have some really big announcements we'll be making within the next uh, ten days or so that are going to take our platform, which has been around in one form or another since 1944. We're the oldest conservative platform out there. And uh, but we're going to make some announcements that are going to take the platform and we believe elevate it into a whole new level. And that will also make us a bit more contemporary, if you will, which for a guy as old as I am is a big deal. Uh, I'm des- in desperately seeking contemporariness, if there's such a word. And uh, but but it's great. Uh, Jeff Webb is our publisher. Uh, he came into human events about a year and a half ago and just recently became the publisher for the entire platform. And we're, uh, you know, Jeff Webb is the guy that invented the sport of cheerleading, not the activity, but the sport. And uh, that means a couple of things. First of all, it means he knows how to start something and build it and grow it. More importantly, it means he knows how to bring a really positive attitude and a spirit of engagement into everything he does. So I would call him America's cheerleader, but he doesn't like that label. So let's just say that we've got a great publisher with a really, really great aggressive attitude and who knows how to build things. And I'm happy to be a part of that. Yeah, that's definitely one of the things you need, uh, especially in the business that you guys are in. Uh, everything's always changing, whether it be from social media platforms to just the way the news is is reported on and portrayed. In addition, all the other stuff, the media, the podcasting, video elements of it. You need someone that's going to be uh, you know, able to probably sleep less than you do. To, to get the job, I don't in. sleep much. <laughs> that's that's needed to get done to uh, keep you guys, like you said, a little bit more contemporary, and then you know up to the minute in regards of uh, hanging in there with everybody else. So there's you guys got a pretty good squad over there at Human Events. I mean, the, the gang of uh, people you've got, you know, with their hands and everything right now. It's it's a whole bunch of different flavors, but at the end of the day, like you said, one of the oldest. Uh, platforms out there in, in some way, shape, or form, and, and and you guys are looking to, uh, you know, with this addition to Jeff Webb now, take it to the next level. Is it uh, something that excites you as far as, I mean, you, you've been doing a lot of stuff, and your whole role has changed as, as everything you used to do compared to what you do now. You said, you know, I've heard you on a recent podcast say you've kind of focused it into here, and, and now it looks like you guys are taking some uh, real big steps moving forward. Yeah, look, we have Jack Pasovic, uh, who is arguably – uh, the the biggest name in news in the world of social media. Yep. I, I say it that way because social media almost is its own distinct animal uh, in terms of how news travels and gets conveyed and reported. So, you know, we've got the folks that, that people are used to seeing maybe on television, whether it's on Fox or MSNBC or whatever they watch. Sure. 
But then there's the people they get used to following more along that that underground railroad that is social media, uh, where it is now. Uh, you try to get maybe most of your truthful news. And uh, so Jack's at the top of the food chain in that realm. And we have Charlie Kirk, who's a contributor, you know, and, and Charlie, I mean, people always ask me, so what's Charlie Kirk really like? I always answer it the same way. He's a, he's a human freak show. <laughs> I mean, we've, we've never really seen anything like Charlie Kirk in American history. I mean, he's started Turning Point when he was 18 years old and yeah. he's made it into the largest campus group in the country. And he's not just somebody out there profiting off the fight like some people are in the world of conservative commentary. I mean, as I like to say, Charlie actually has dragons, right? He's uh, he's trained an army year after year after year at Turning Point on campuses. And every year in May, a whole new graduating class leaves the college campus and enters into the workforce, the real world, in a way that they weren't able to enter it just you know nine short years ago. So uh, having Charlie is a really big deal. Uh, Chris Barron, who you folks know, I mean, yeah. Chris is a regular on Fox. He's uh, writes for us each week. He's a key part of the team. And and finally, like I say, we have a really couple of really big announcements coming up shortly that I think will get people excited and make us even a bigger, more relevant player uh, in this this news and opinion world that we're in right now. Yeah, it's it's really. That's an interesting dynamic there. Like you said, Charlie Kirk's got a massive reach in regards to the ground game. You have the the social media. It's one of the one of the top accounts. Period with Jack Vasovic. Plus, he's got his you know podcast that's coming out through you guys, and then some of the finest writers in regards to really being able to break it down and put like a human element on it uh, between you know Chris going on TV and doing some writing, and then yourself, which is what I want to start off with getting into. You know, I I would had the opportunity to read a couple of your of your latest, one of them was understanding and embracing the role of the 21st century American dissident. And uh, very interesting piece. I also heard you on a couple podcasts, too, kind of put a little Star Wars spin on some of the stuff that's gone on over the last, you know, half decade regarding conservative politics. And, and we kind of do the same thing on this show. It just seems like, you know, even if we don't go into it thinking that that's where it's going to go, a lot of the things that have happened, there's just eerie similarities. And, uh, you know, it's one of the things where it, we've kind of uh, embraced ourselves. So why don't you let our listenership know kind of uh, where you've gone, uh, you know, trying to present this narrative and uh, just about what's in there that makes it so important sure. to this time that we're in right now. Sure. I'd love to, uh, you know, first of all, I, I encourage your, uh, your uh, audience to go to human events and they can read that piece that you just referenced in its entirety. We republished it on human events um, this year it actually was originally written in January of 2021, and it uh, it came to mind. I had it all inside my head, and I needed to get it out. So I sat down at a keyboard one day in my kitchen and pounded out 7,500 words. Oof. It was too long at the time for human events, so I threw it on my own personal website. I shared it with a few people, and about a week later, I was I was in the gym on a Saturday morning, and in between sets, my phone was pinging like crazy. And I was getting emails from literally all over the world uh, from people who were reading it. And what had happened is that it was being shared and reprinted on other platforms. Hmm. And so people were starting to see it. And the argument I was making was as follows, is that for people like us, people who believe in such archaic notions as individual liberty and private property rights and first principles, 
We might have on paper the same rights as everybody else does. But functionally in this country, uh, we were beginning to be treated in a completely different way. Mm -hmm. And we were being denied those rights. And that meant that we were being cast in the role of what we saw in Eastern Europe, for example, in the last century of people who were having to live and act like dissidents. And that's where that term really got coined, right? I mean, it's it's a word that's been around forever, but we associate it with those movements in Eastern Europe in the latter part of the 20th century. So what I did is I, I made the argument about how we got here, uh, what it meant to be here, how we had to view it realistically, mm-hmm. and then offered some really concrete suggestions at the end of the piece as to how people should start to behave. And to make a long story short and sort of skip to the end, uh, the, the piece really did catch fire. And you'll notice now that the word dissident is being used by some political commentators. And if you trace back its usage, some of it I've been able to trace back quite actually literally. Um, it kind of started with that piece that I wrote. So sadly, I mean, I mean, sadly, I seem to be kind of responsible for bringing that uh piece of language into the American political lexicon, I say sadly because I don't want us to have to act like dissonance, right? right? Uh, but here we are. And so that's that's my thing. And from that, we've been building out uh, things at human events and elsewhere as to how to behave and what to do to fight back. And I think that's probably one of the most, uh, you know, biggest components of it right there is what to do, how to get organized, because you know, I, I through reading through the articles and hearing you speak on a couple of different shows, you know, our listenership is well in the know of, of all the, you know, how things have changed, like you said, and how we're treated on and seen upon, you know, in the, in the world today, the levels of discrimination, whether it be in your places of work or worship, uh, in, in, in like the public square, uh, across social media platforms and beyond, you know, just continue to spiral downward for conservatives up through the last presidential election and then kind of crested probably on January 6th to where we're at now, where you have, you know, law enforcement agencies at the federal level targeting average citizens for things that are their constitutional rights. You have the department of justice weaponized against them as well, holding political Mm -hmm. prisoners. And, you know, people see that stuff, even if it's just as an intimidation factor in between court cases, it's enough to make the average person think like, Okay, I'm sitting in my driveway right now. I'm looking at my house that has a mortgage. My wife is inside cooking dinner. I have two kids that are young. If I really feel this strongly about saving my country, but no, I could sit in a D.C. prison for 14 months waiting for a court date for a misdemeanor trespassing charge, it, it, it scares people. And uh, you've kind of said, you know, there's like a, a fourth wall that we have to kind of break through here to get, you know, our minds conditioned to be like, it's going to take a lot of that and more to... Uh, not reacting, reenacting January 6th, obviously, for whatever it was, but, you know, things like being that motivated, being that dialed in and stuff like that, and, and being that outward about it to uh, get us to where we need to be to kind of level the playing field again. Uh, I think that one of the most important things for people to accept, and this comes out in my writing and it comes out in the lectures that I give, mm-hmm. is that this is not only going to be a long game, but you can't expect to enter in this thing and not put something at risk personally and uh, not to feel some pain as a result of what you're entering into. 
So, I mean, look, you guys are, are doing a show every day where you're fighting back. Everybody knows who you are and where you are. You're in this thing. And let's also face it, by doing that, you're putting yourselves at some level of personal risk. Sure. By using your microphone and your screen and your, you know, people know who you are. And, and so you, you put a bit of a target on your back. But uh, we have been the equivalent of neglectful parents. If liberty were a child, we've let it go astray. And I have, look, I have three kids. And uh, we all know that, you know, your kids are growing up and they go through phases. And as parents, sometimes we watch these phases and we say, well, this isn't good, but mm, I'm going to, I'm not going to push back too hard because they'll grow out of it. Right. And oftentimes, I mean, typically, for the most part, thank God, uh, they do. But sometimes for serious behavior, they don't. And then we've realized that as parents, we should have done something. We should have stepped in, that they needed help. And that's what's been happening in this country, not just for the last six years. The last six years are, are minor compared to over 100 years of drift towards collectivism mm -hmm. and as Americans who do love liberty. Those of us who do not all of us do, by the way, it's a myth to think all people love liberty. No, they don't. They might like it for themselves, but not for others. Um, we, we have been neglectful parents. We've been looking at this movement and saying, well, they'll grow out of it. They'll come around. This is just a phase. Everything is cyclical. None of those things turned out to be true. Right. So we've progressed far down this collectivist road. And now in order to reverse where we are, uh, we're going to have to suffer some pain and we're going to have to know that we're going to put ourselves at risk. And um, we're going to have to get out from behind our 85 inch UHD screens. And we're going to have to get in the fight. Uh, as I like to say, related to a, a story that I told uh, the Liberty Forum last summer, we're going to have to be able, willing to take off our shoes and run barefoot on rocks uh, in order to try to take back our freedom. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that, you know, it's, it always seems like one of the big narratives around conservative politics is that they'll, you know, to almost to the death, hold that, try to hold that political, you know, high ground morality wise. And, uh, it hasn't gotten us any place good. It's gotten us into the situation where now to where almost, uh, progressives and the left. And, you know, like you said, even people that might not even be too into politics, but just, are only caring about their own liberty, you know, like the Karens of the world. They they mm. they know that at some point we're going to be like, oh, okay, I'm going to hold the higher ground here. And it's led to, you know, everything from what happened with COVID to a stolen election, the, the narrative on January 6th and all the stuff that happened to those guys. And then moving forward, you see how it is across social media. If you say anything that that is outside of the, you know, collective narrative of the progressive left, you're shunned, you're put on talk shows, you're called a racist, they do all these horrible things to you right. and, and, and drag you through the mud. And, and, and how do we fight back? You know, to a point, we've gotten a little bit better, but it's only like you, you've already mentioned, we're at the start of something that is a long game. Our listenership needs to understand that. I'm sure a lot of your listenership does as well, people that read your material. And uh, getting to the end of that long game is something that like is not going to happen overnight. Why don't you explain to our listenership, you know, some of the stuff that's going to go into kind of making those adjustments to get to where we need to be or at least start to where we need to be in, in, in kind of level in the playing field here. Right. Well, so in first, you, I mean, you make a great point about, uh, you know, sort of this notion of taking the, 
the 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 better route, mm-hmm. right? And being above all this, and uh, we're very very good at throwing out babies in bathwater. Yeah. And one of the things that we've done is we've dismissed as uh, conservatives, we've dismissed the notions of Machiavelli because he said, you know, the ends justify the means, and that so- sounds, you know, just morally abhorrent to us. So we we tend to say, well, we can't do that, right? We can't lower ourselves to their level. This is a myth. It's not about lowering ourselves to any sort of level of others. It is about having to fight people on the on the field that they've defined, right? So um, you can't you can't enter into you know you don't enter into a full raging war with the other side fully armed and you standing across them saying, gosh, this doesn't seem right. You know, so so we have to be willing uh, to be more aggressive. Uh, that doesn't mean unethical or unprincipled. It means that we have to be steeled and resilient and we have to realize we've got to fight back. I'll give just a couple of tips. In, in my writings and things, there's a lot of different suggestions and details. Here's a couple of simple ones for people. First of all, take back our language. Stop using language and terms the way the other side defines it and stop defending yourself in their terms. You know, if somebody calls you a racist, don't say, uh, gosh, I'm not a racist. I know five black people and I know two (laughs) gay people and I have, you know, four great Hispanic fellows who I like cut my grass. Don't explain yourselves. Don't defend yourselves. Don't sink to their level and think that you have to answer them or their allegations. Use the terms that are real don't use the terms they dictate. So take back our language. Here's another fun one. And I, I think this is so important. So we all know about uh, folks that'll go on social media and they'll type something on Facebook like all Trump supporters are misogynists and uh, they're all racist, right? Mm-hmm. And they're all Nazis. They type this stuff, they throw it on Facebook. By the way, Facebook doesn't take them down nope. for saying that. Nope. Mm-mm. And then what do we do? So they're a friend of ours, right? And we turn to them and we say, well, you know, gosh, I saw what you posted on Facebook, you know, I'm, but I'm a Trump supporter. And then what do they always say? You guys can almost repeat this with me without even hearing me say it. They always say the same thing. They say, I didn't mean you. Yeah. You're different not you. than the others, right? So it's not you, it's them. Well, what we have to start to do is to make them understand those people that are close to us. We have to say to them, when you say them, you are saying me. Yes. And we have to make them feel that personally to take that in uh, and feel it on a personal level. We have to be willing to sever relationships uh, when they're not, uh, when people won't come to terms with our disagreements. You know, we have to make them feel a sense of loss. Right now, the other side is able to go about their business. And because we're sort of afraid to draw lines and they're not, uh, they don't lose much. We're the ones that seem to go around losing everything. So we have to be willing to do that. Um, the other tip I'll give to people is that if you're if you're going to get into this uh, fight, if you want to try to make a difference, don't do it recklessly. You know, Lechtelus had a great line when he wrote about what happened in Poland. He said, you know, when we were starting this whole pushback, the solidarity movement, he said, you know, the, the fields of Poland were already watered with the blood of martyrs. We didn't need more martyrs. We needed people who were able to, you know, push back within the system and cause disruption and, and stay in the fight, basically. I'm paraphrasing. Right. But 
but you know, we all know the guy that says, Hey, I'm going to post this on Facebook today and watch. I bet they take my account down. So then he posts it and then his account's down and then he's out of the fight and he gets three minutes of glory from his friends who pat him on the back and then he's out. So don't be reckless. Don't do stupid things. Don't, don't unnecessarily martyr yourself. Be smart. Work within the system to push out against the walls of the system steadily. Um, if you do that, then you have an opportunity to join the rest of us to make a difference because it takes collective weight to be able to pull this off. So we need as many as we can in the fight for as long as possible. Yeah, I like that collective weight thing. Uh, coming from someone who is currently on his eighth Twitter account mm. for our podcast. <laughs> and listen, right. as far as strikes or whatever it takes to get your account taken down, I have not committed any of those. It's simply sharing some of the voices and narratives of people who have decided to join us on our show. And, and, and it may be a little too spicy for, you know, the rest of social media. Uh, my piece of advice, and I, and I tell this to our listenership all the time, don't show, don't share audio clips from Amanda Milius, even though she's one of our greatest <laughs> friends and her narrative is usually 100% co correct because uh, she was the uh, reason we lost our last one. But, uh, you know, you do make a lot of sense. I, I definitely think like some of the things that people don't talk about is what you do after that person says like, well, I don't mean you, I mean them. And by them, in their head, they're thinking of that file footage of January 6th. They only show, like, the tightest clips and the worst spots of what people made that out to whatever it is. And they don't mean their dear friend who they've been friends with for so long who just might be a Trump supporter or, you know, a staunch conservative or nationalist. And then you talk about, like, doing it smartly and not recklessly. That's definitely one of the things. I think, uh, you know, in, in conservative politics, I think we have some of the most brilliant minds. And, and we don't have those close... Um, ended narratives that we see on, on the, the radical progressive side of which this is what it is. And if you don't like it, you're this, that, or the other thing, like you already outlined, we definitely have ways to get around it and to uh, get to different solutions by using some of the same narratives. And then as a collective, like this, those numbers that it's going to take to get this job done as part of the long game, I definitely think it's one of the things that, uh, you know, we need to start taking into consideration. There's a lot of huge personalities just at human events. I mean, between you and Chris, you guys have added Jeff, and then you throw Jack and Charlie in there. Man, those are some of the biggest names out just around who are doing some of the things, for, you know, for conservatives that are, are education, awareness, organization. But there's so many other people out there who, you know, don't want to connect or they're trying to make a name for themselves. And the more and more we work to get together, even if it's not forever, just do collaborative efforts here or, you know, you have a talent that, is meshes with somebody that we have at human events there, we could probably be a lot more organized and get to where we want to go faster. Right. Well, if I could, let me address the notion of what do you do with that person with the, with the they's and the them's on, on Facebook. Sure. <laughs> so uh, first of all, uh, and in terms of being willing to engage and fight back, I'm, I'm a limited man. So my life mostly comes from the movies and I'm a big Stallone fan and I'm, put in mind of the first Rocky movie where after Rocky hits Apollo Creed pretty hard, Apollo's back in his corner and his trainer says, this guy doesn't think this is a damn show. He thinks it's a damn fight. Yep. Right. And so the other side is very much aware it's a fight and we need to, we need to realize that. But look, human events uh, is going to have to do something to really emphasize the word events in its name now, because in the last month and a half, we've done two unique never before done events 
participated in on both coasts of the country. The first one is something we did along with the Liberty Forum in Silicon Valley, where we hosted an event with real live dissidents. Nobody's done this before. So we had the Soviet Union, East Germany, Czechoslovakia, Cuba, and Vietnam all represented on the panel. Hmm. And they talked about what the real horrors were like of totalitarianism and what they were afraid of what was going or what they saw going on in America today. That event you can watch on human events, I encourage you to. Mm -hmm. But then on the other coast, a month later, we did something that addresses the they's and the them's. So um, this is something called Common Ground. We just did it at the University of Georgia. Uh, my partner, Felissa Blajek, and I created this program, and Human Events sponsored it. It's, they're our key sponsor. And here's what we did. We sat down with four actual college students you know, before a live audience, and we talked about racial issues on campus. But we did not do what always gets done, which is the red meat debate. What we did is we had the students first before we ever got on stage. They identified what they thought the issues were to us. So when we sat down for an hour, we were ready to talk about them. And what the students had to do is they had to look at the students on the other side and say, what do you think about this? Where are you coming from? What are your concerns? What do you think we should do? And the other side had to do that in turn. Now, the audience was given instructions before we started that if they heard anybody during the, the hour-long conversation use the words, you're wrong, they were supposed to go, like make a big buzzer sound, <laughs> right? Because those words were verboten uh, on the common ground stage. Mm -hmm. So we spent an hour and we talked about race and we found common ground on the different issues we addressed. And at the end, the reaction from the students who participated in the audience members was universally the same. And it goes like this. This was incredible. We need to do this on every campus in the country. Mm -hmm. And what were we doing when we did it? Well, it's easy to insult the they's and the them's. We've turned insulting into a third party excursion in this country. What we're trying to do is make it personal because then it's harder to do. So we encourage the students to pretend, you know, when we talked about the event ahead of time, we said, imagine you're sitting down with your significant other and they matter to you, and you don't want to lose them, and you know something's wrong, what are you going to do? You're going to put aside all the everything that you brought to the table before, and you're going to sit down and say, tell me what's wrong. Mm -hmm. Tell me what's going on. I want to understand. I don't want to lose you. So what we're trying to do with Common Ground is instill that same sense of, I don't want to lose the relationship between Americans individually so that it gets harder to insult. To, so we get rid of the they's and the them's and we replace them with names and values and ideas and concerns. And then maybe we can have a conversation. So we intend to do this all over the campuses in the fall. The first one went great. Uh, it was a challenge to pull off, but once you get, I'm a sober guy. So, you know, you can't get the second day until you have the first day. <laughs> And nice. uh, so so we have one one day of clean America, clean University of Georgia. We get a giant white key tag and on we go uh, with common ground. So uh, grateful to, to uh, my group at Human Events for sponsoring it. Grateful to my partner, Felissa, for uh, making it come together uh, along with me. And uh, we're going to see if we can't bring this approach and um, bring it across the country. Final thought, the piece I wrote today on Human Events that published on uh, April 19th talks about the human events piece. 
And what I'm trying to share in that is that the common ground approach is like a secret weapon. Because while we're fighting as a country and while we have to act as dissidents and you have to do what you have to do every day and I have to do what I have to do every day. If we can get this country to start talking again like this, what we can do is create a sort of energy level that if released can be so powerful that now we'll go back where you started with your Star Wars reference. We can blow up this collectivist Death Star from the inside out. So while being a dissident is important, People need to understand that the common ground approach is even more important and can actually sort of short circuit this entire uh, slide towards collectivism that we've been on for so long. Yeah, that's definitely something we need to pump the brakes on and uh, start to reverse course. That that common ground thing is is also, you know, I read part of that article on my way over here today in my car. I've, I shouldn't have been, but I, I need to. <laughs> I don't encourage reading my, I won't love it if people read my stuff, not while driving, please. We don't have a lot of extra time. Yes. <laughs> it's, yeah, right. It's, Got it's, it. But uh, it's definitely something we're going to be tracking and, and we wish you the absolute best at Brent, you know, after talking to you in this segment right now, I think one thing is for sure. You're going to have to come back to our show soon. There's a lot of stuff that you just began to unpack for our listenership. All the amazing work. You know, you guys are so brilliant over there at, at Human Events. You you have different takes on, on, on conservative politics that that is more founded in depth, like getting into the actual narrative instead of just drive-by headlines, which is something that we've become so accustomed to. You know, it's doom and gloom all over the, the legacy media, and you see it every night, the way the news cycle spins out of control and how long it spins, you know, when I was a kid, I'm in my mid forties right now, you, you'd see maybe one or two big news stories throughout the course of a presidency. And if you stay off social media for a couple hours, you might miss half a dozen now. And that's just no way for our society to live. It's, it's part of, I think the plan to not let anybody kind of focus on one thing for too long enough so we can get to viable solutions. But it seems like you guys have really sat down and kind of laid out the groundwork to get to some of those ones that are most important that are going to make things a lot better moving forward. Um, we want to be able to direct our listenership. I know you mentioned human events. Anywhere they could find you across social medias, we're going to live link that and your most recent article in our show description today. And like I said, we, of course, would love to have you back. Well, that's that's very kind. I've enjoyed it. Uh, look, uh, humanevents.com. That's the place to find me. Um, if you uh, read our things or have a comment, I'm Brent at humanevents.com. You send me an email. I write to every single person that writes to me. No exceptions. Uh, good or bad, I write to everybody. Nice. Uh, I'm not on any social media. That's where reason goes to die. Yes. And I'm, I'll leave social media to you guys. Good luck with Twitter number nine. <laughs> and uh, so, but uh, Human Events is it. Just go to Human Events and support our platform and what we're doing. And like I said, keep an eye on us. We've got some really big announcements coming that um, it'll shake up the world of conservative media. Perfect. We'll be looking to talk about those narratives when you come back with us on the show. This is the managing editor of Human Events. Mr. Brent Hamachek, thanks for joining us today on Steak for Breakfast. Thanks so much. It's a total privilege. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. You take care, sir. Well, what would you think of Brent Hamachek? I, uh, I think to say he needs to come back and unpack a little of that stuff, he left our audience with a trove of information to go and do their own research on about all the stuff that's going on in addition to his fine writings and everything they've got going on. Yeah, we need uh, another hour or so probably, Yeah, minimum. Over there at Human Events. Maybe we could do a standalone episode with him. He's definitely got the content that would uh, garner such a thing. One of the narratives that don't, as we kick off our news block, is the one of uh, sending troops into Russia and Ukraine's conflict. U.S. troops. Why do I feel like that's a bad idea on the level of us getting officially involved? 
more so. Is it the possibility that they're tied for first in nuclear superpowers worldwide? Yeah, I mean, I like a good stalemate, but I'd like to keep it a stalemate. Well, we have seen Democrat Senator Chris Coons. Not a hot plate. No. Try to spice things up a little bit, though, over the weekend with some comments like that. Let's hear uh, this narrative. Ukraine hold back the Russian army all on its own. The situation in Mariupol is both dire militarily and heartbreaking. Uh, the city doesn't exist anymore. Ukrainian Foreign Minister Dmitry Kuliba said today Russian seizure of the city could mean an end to future negotiations with Russia. Mariupol may be a red line. Ukraine says its embattled east will not be able to hold out much longer against the larger and more powerful Russian military without larger and more powerful Western weapons. Hmm. The Biden administration is already rushing $800 million worth of military aid, including helicopters, howitzers, and ammunition. I would really like to hear the administration talk about winning and, and having a sense of urgency um, on getting these things there. Otherwise, this window of opportunity we have the next couple of weeks to really disrupt Russia's attempt to build up is going to pass. But Democrat Chris Coons, an ally of the president, says it's time for him to reconsider sending in U.S. troops, something Mr. Biden has repeatedly said he won't do. I think the history of the 21st century turns on how fiercely mm -hmm. we defend freedom in Ukraine and that Putin will only stop when we stop him. Today, the Ukrainian prime minister said Ukraine will keep fighting. We will not uh, surrender. We will not leave our country, our families, our land. So we will fight absolutely till the end, till the win in this war. And Christina Ruffini again at the White House. Christina, obviously there has been talk of a possible trip to Ukraine by the president of the United States. What are you hearing? Well, security personnel at the State Department are actively working with officials to decide if and when it makes sense to send diplomats back into the country. Now, if you remember, all the people who evacuated from U.S. Embassy Kiev, some of them went home, but a lot of them have been working out of Poland. So I think you're more likely to see diplomatic officials, maybe even some very senior ranking ones, go back into Ukraine before you would see the president. Yes. Still a very dangerous area, obviously. Christina Ruffini, thank you. Hmm. Well, the only thing I took away from that is... Senator Chris Coons is an absolute fucking moron. <laughs> and uh, howitzers and helicopters? Yeah. Wasn't it Russia last week? Uh, we talked about if they continue to send weapons that are killing Russian troops in theater, there would be cataclysmic consequences. Was it cataclysmic? It was, or was, it was something bad. Yeah. Badismic. Badismic. I like that one. Yeah. Surprising garrison me for that. Mm. You said it first. True. No, I I can't imagine. Like obviously somebody wanting to enter into nuclear war willingly would be a grave error just because there's no winners. None. But at the same time it's it, you know, I mean it's either an empty threat or it's not. And one would hope that it's an empty threat. But, I mean, if somebody makes enough empty threats and you keep calling them on them, rather than look weak, sometimes they'll make a mistake. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's uh, definitely something scary that we're sending larger caliber, pun intended, of weapons in, into Ukraine. But 
the real warning that Russia put out last week in regards to stopping to do that and that they do not want us doing that anymore. And, and what is the weirdest war? You heard from the prime minister of Ukraine in that clip, but there was also like a alcohol and drug infused Zelensky one that was. Yeah, I saw that. That was weird. Very weird. And uh, I mean, obviously partying in the war zone. Mm. Behind the green screen? Yeah. <laughs> that whole narrative continues. Like I said last week, the American public is becoming bored with it. I think diplomatically, that's probably the least of what we're doing. I still don't understand how we're negotiating with Iran via Russia, but can't get Russia to come to the table and negotiate out whatever they need to do with Ukraine. And we'll continue to track it as footage. You know, I was thinking about it the other day. There are certain times of the year on, like, the History Channel where there are days dedicated to things like World War I. Mm-hmm. I've seen more footage of World War I than I have of the Russia-Ukraine war. And we're at the pinnacle of the technological age. I've seen a couple Telegram channels with, like, footage and stuff like that, but it should just be rampant on, on the net. It should be everywhere with the amount of, like, I mean... If they want to sway the will of the American public, wouldn't it be prudent to post footage of the bad things that are happening. I, yeah. I'm talking about bodies being blown to pieces or mass graves, but actual war. Yeah. It's interesting to say the least. Um, What's not is the attack on the American wallet via the economy. I'm running out of gas. I think Down to my last two gas cans <laughs> that I filled up before gas went up. Hopefully we'll see a little bit of dip here in California. It hasn't been, I know some places across the country are telling me that it's gone down, but not really the case here. Maybe ten cents at the most. Well, we're so abused and beaten in California. They're like, "Oh, it's only four dollars. This is great." Like, no, that's awful. Yeah, it's but it's up in the fives right now, right? I yeah. don't even know. At Costco yesterday, it was five fifty four. And Costco gas is garbage too. Yeah. Costco gas and military base gas are probably the worst gas you can put in your car. They burn the quickest, too. They burn the quickest. It's like the summer blend all year round. But, I mean, you're paying 30 cents more a gallon at the uh, regular gas stations, the Chevrons of the world. Yeah, but you get another 40, 50 miles out of the tank, it's not too bad. No, that, that is true. <clears throat> I mean, I just gas up there because it's quick. Yeah. I go right after work when there's no line. It's just for putzing around town. Senator Rob Johnson was on with Eric Bowling yesterday, and they were talking about the war on fossil fuels and how it's affecting the American dollar. Let's hear them kind of give a narrative on this one. Just like the open border, that, that just didn't happen. That was caused by bad policy. That's exactly what the Democrats wanted. Same thing with inflation. Now, what did Joe Biden do when he came into office? He declared the war on fossil fuel. He canceled the Keystone XL pipeline. That increases not only the price of gasoline, but the price of energy in general. Energy is a component, cost component of everything else you buy, basically. So that helps increase the cost of uh, every good that drives up inflation. Then, of course, you go on a spending spree, uh, all this deficit spending, massive amounts of deficit spending, printing too many dollars, chasing too few goods. And, and by the way, a lot of those dollars went to make it possible for people not to enter the workforce. So in Wisconsin, manufacturers can't hire enough people. They can't fill up their shifts. They're not able to meet the demand. Even fewer goods. So I call that the triple whammy. A war on fossil fuel, too many dollars chasing too few goods, and policies that are making sure that we have even fewer goods. So this is caused by bad policy. It's not going away. Uh, Producer price increase increased 11.2%. 
I always view that as a harbinger of uh, more inflation to come. And so th this this is a disaster for our economy. And uh, I certainly noticed, uh, and I was predicting stagflation more than a year ago, because yeah. as I was talking to Wisconsin business owners, uh, they were experiencing what I experienced when I started my business during car stagflation, endemic price increases, uh, price increases mm -hmm. that were not only expected, but were readily yeah. accepted. That's a very dangerous place for us to be in a very difficult cycle to break he's right there so i think i think the biggest component that he he had it there was the acceptance level of people to just go out and handle these prices i mean obviously there are some goods and services that are absolutely necessary for you to have but what's leads us into the talk of recession is that the people continue to accept this stagflation right now that it just continues to slowly ride and isn't going anywhere. There's no end game or date on it. Well, yeah, and like all this stuff, it's it's costing everybody across the board money. So, I mean, you figure, you know, what's the percentage, you know, with rent control in, in whatever state you're living in, if they have it, about how much they can raise your rent every year. It's like, well, you know, your landlord may have been cool up until recently, but he's probably feeling the pinch now. So whatever that percentage of your rent going up every year, it's probably going to go up every year now. At least for the foreseeable future, and it's something that we weren't really experiencing under the last couple of years of the Trump administration, even with COVID when we saw slight increases in, in certain things. That was just due to uh, everything being shut down originally because we didn't know what we were dealing with. Jen Psaki was asked yesterday during the White House press briefing about the fear or challenges that lie ahead due to a potential recession. Let's hear what she had to say when she was asked about it. There have been kind of a growing, growing rumblings among um, economists about the R word recession, um, that coming possibly. The R word. The R word. <laughs> I was like, That's where are we going? Trump's to... N word. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm just curious how the administration is viewing <laughs> the possibility of that and what kind of conversations are happening right now about a possible recession. Well, we continue to believe, our economists most importantly, that the United States economy will deal with challenges ahead from a position of strength ah. because of the president's economic plan. It's important to remember we created more jobs last year than any year, other year in history. Remember that now? Uh, we obviously mm -hmm. have a very low uh, unemployment rate in the country, and we've seen wages go up in a number of areas. I would note that there was a Goldman Sachs, we may be referring to this, the Goldman Sachs analysis, um, and even in their analysis, they said, quote, we still do not see a recession as inevitable. However, particularly since the Fed's goal of cooling the economy while avoiding a recession will be helped by post-COVID normalizations in labor supply and durable goods prices. So our view is we're in a period of historic uh, job growth, strong business investments, strong consumer and business balance sheets, and normalizing supply chains. Those are all good signs for the economy, but obviously we'll continue to monitor uh, any, any concerns we have about where things are headed. <laughs> Shut up. Biggest jobs president ever. Shut up. Record low unemployment. Stop it. You send 22.5 million people forever home from work. It looks pretty good when you bring 6.4 million of them back, right? And I, the people that use that as their example of how great everything is, like, are you, are you really that idiotically stupid? She might be. Well, no, she's... Just a pathological liar. She, Yeah, that, she, that's her job. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, guess what? I know it kind of sucks, but uh, some of the shit we're going to make you say is not going to make sense. But how about we give you a TV show and you're set for life after this? You're going to be a millionaire. Mm. Okay, I'll say whatever the fuck you want. She also announced today that she has not let her children have play dates. 
in homes where they do not uphold mask policies. Mother of the year status right there. Mm-hmm. Masks. Mm-hmm. Science. <laughs> like alternating caps lock science. Yes. Yes. It's If you're still fucking running with this right now, you just need to get your head examined. Well, it ended yesterday. We'll get to that in just a bit. Well, but like even this entire time, like mm-hmm. you, t- you pick up a box of these generic Chinese printed blue and white masks with the little fucking elastic ties that make your ears hurt. They're like fake surgical masks because the ones that we're able to purchase now are nowhere near what the quality is of the ones pre-pandemic. Yeah, so the pre-pandemic ones, oddly enough, actually said on the fucking box that it did not protect against coronavirus. Literally. I have a picture of it. I don't know where it is, but it, it I, might, I remember taking it. It might still say that now, which is No, it doesn't. I know. Oh, yeah, in Chinese. But magically, that was taken off the box. But it still says... That it's not good for, uh, oh, what was it, viral use or something like that. And it's like, it, it's the same thing in different words to make it seem less bullshit. Right. And, like, they've literally come out and said, and you see the the biggest proponents of doing everything the Biden administration wants you to do in the CDC and uh, uh, Fauci. Mm. <laughs> You see these people and it's like, all right, so you were wearing, you were wearing a neck gaiter, which they literally said was the worst thing you could be doing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then you moved up to these fake surgical masks and you're wearing those. And the specific person that I'm thinking of, I'm like, yeah, those don't work. Like literally they don't do anything there. It's, it's pointless to wear it. Oh no, that's not true. They do work. And then CDC says you need to wear an N95 mask. And now they got a box of N95 masks. It's like, I just fucking told you. I literally said, unless you're going to wear an N95 mask and recycle it after an hour and a half goes by once it gets clogged up and useless because that's the amount of time that those are valid for. I I forget exactly the amount, but I, I, I told you. I fucking told you that. And you didn't listen to me. You waited for... Some fucking gray-haired old prick to tell you another lie. Mm -hmm. And then now you're going to take it seriously. It's like, fuck off. Like, get get your shit together. Like, sorry, I don't have a fucking lab coat on. And I'm not on TV. (laughs) I mean, I could pretty good with the best of them, but it's just so frustrating. Just watching people be completely... Brainwashed. Yeah. Like, and and you you can't help but think that it's hilarious that it's the BA2 is the new variant. Mm. Bah, bah. Mm -hmm. Like, sheep. I mean, like, is is it a pun? Like, did they do that on purpose? Like, was it the guy that was like, he was naming it? He's just like, you know what? This is going to be really funny. The lizard people laughing me. Yeah. (laughs) Just ridiculous. Like, how do you, how do you take yourself seriously anymore? You can't at all. I can because I've been taking myself seriously this whole time. That's true. And that doesn't say much. Facts, but <laughs> we're still in a better place than most. Yeah. Now, you mentioned California gray hair. I believe it was cocksucking liars on television. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, Joe Biden's speaking right now. 
talking about the economy, and we can never forget. He's a white-haired, cock-sucking liar, though. There you go. The root causes of this real crisis. Let's hear it. Last month, about 70% of the increase in inflation was a consequence of Putin's price hike because of the impact on gas and energy prices. False. I know. Well, oh, uh, no, actually not false, okay? Some of the, the, the bullshit that's going on did affect the prices, but the $2 before that is definitely somebody else's fault. Yes. We all know whose fault that is. Joe Byron! Yeah, there you go. Jen Psaki was asked about several of these things yesterday. We've already covered the possibility of a potential recession on the way. Let me guess. She said something along the lines of, well, you know, it's obvious that, and we've said before, and... She was actually quite flustered because right before the press briefing started, Trump-appointed federal judge in Florida yesterday voided a national mask mandate for airplanes and other public transportations, which the Biden administration, for no reason other than the virtue signal, extended through May 2nd. Catherine Kimball Nizel, last appointed judge of the Trump administration, only 35 years old, working out of Florida, um, who clerked under Clarence Thomas said in her dissent, at most, these masks, or any masks, besides an N95, trap virus droplets. But it neither sanitizes the person wearing the mask nor sanitizes the conveyance in which they're traveling. So she said the Biden mask mandate extension was unconstitutional. Weird. The U.S. Transit Authority and TSA they said they would no longer enforce mask wearing. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention just last week, like I said, extended it through May 2nd. And uh, I think it's really good to see someone step up to the plate and really take a swing at this and say, you want to know what? It is unconstitutional. I've been saying this since the fucking beginning. I had some idiot at work go, it's not unconstitutional. I'm like, we'll see. To be forced into anything medically regarding. Well, and then, yeah, but look at where we're at right now. So... Forcing you to take a piece of fabric or an old T-shirt mm-hmm. or anything and put it over your face unwillingly is unconstitutional. So yeah. where do you think this leads with the actual mandates for forced vaccinations of a medical treatment that you do not want or need? It's pretty apparent that we we neither want or need them now, right? Yeah. I mean... I saw an article in the New York Times today that says, I've received both my COVID vaccinations and two boosters. Why have I caught in it for the third time? Third time? Mm-hmm. Well, you know what they say. <laughs> third time's a charm. That a baby. Then maybe you'll finally be protected against bear. <laughs> bear too. <laughs> you don't have to wear them on buses anymore. You should definitely... Where you continue to wear your mask while you're walking uh, down the jetway before you get t- t- to the plane. But once you're in the plane, <laughs> it's, it's like that's going to be next. Like, all right, so you don't have to wear them in the plane anymore, but you should wear it everywhere else, especially while you're walking outside by yourself, dragging your luggage, not near anybody in the sun. Well, I know there's one thing in this entire narrative that's factual. What's that? It still says it still says Fire Fauci on, on Dr. Rand Paul's website. 
does it still? Have for, you looked? For five dollars? How many dollars? How many sure how many dollars have you given? Ten dollars? Maybe. Fifteen dollars? Probably twenty-five. Twenty-five dollars? Jen was hit with a couple different things yesterday. All of them appropriate questions. Water balloon? I wish. Amongst other things. Let's hear. Jen, uh, you said about this mask ruling out of a federal court in Florida that it's a disappointing decision, and you say you continue to recommend that people wear masks. <laughs> Why is it that we can sit here in the White House briefing room with no masks, but people can't sit in an airplane cabin with no masks? Well, Peter, I'm not a doctor. You're not a doctor. That yeah. I'm aware of, if you're a doctor. I wasn't aware of that today, and until today. Right. Okay, not a doctor. Just making sure. I don't know. Um, and nor do you play one on TV. Nor does he play one on TV. There yeah, that's you go, my most days. Um, but these determinations, remember the masking guidance is there are is green, yellow, and red. We are currently in a green zone in Washington, oh, D.C., the so they're not recommending Even though everyone it. in the Some White House has had COVID in the last two weeks. can still wear a mask if they want to. Many people do. Or wear them in meetings or wear them at certain times where you're going to be around or sitting close to people. Or maybe you have an immunocompromised parent or or friend. And so people make that decision. Oh, and there's, this is based on health oh, considerations oh, and data oh, that the CDC looks her. at about transmissibility as, as we've seen an increase in cases on, on airplanes. Then would the president support a flight is leaving from an airport in a green zone. Those people don't have to wear masks. Again, Peter, there's a di there's been long a difference from the beginning about people on an airplane and in uh, federal transportation vehicles and situations than where they are in locations. Like we here, here continue to be in Washington D.C. a green zone. You got to put the mask on when you're flying over red zones. Two week extension or not that. asked for what we had announced was a two week extension to look at the data and make recommendations. We've looked at the based data. On the data and the science yeah. about whether it should be continued or not. Okay, on a different topic, we have new reporting that at least 23 people apprehended at the southern border in 2021 are on the terror watch list. It's up Why to do you guys 42. think it is that somebody on a terror watch list would want to get into the United States undetected? Hmm. Well, I can't make an assessment of that. Or what but if, what I can tell you or what if they're detected? We just let them go anyway. It means the Border Patrol was doing their job. I mean, so, they so they apprehended people at the border. 2,000 oh, illegal thanks, immigrants genius. a day got away last month. Are you saying that you can say with certainty none of them are on a terror watch list? Here's what we're talking about. Encounters we know and of a suspected terrorist attempting to cross the southern border. They're very uncommon. Oh, oh. We're talking about a few dozen annual encounters at most at most, uh, and these encounters represent significantly less than the 0.01% of total encounters per fiscal year in recent years. But I'd note, these individuals, these 23 people, the Border Patrol, they stopped them. They prevented them from getting into the country. They're protecting our homeland and keeping us safe. Uh, so the president is not worried about holes in the southern border being exploited by people trying to come in and kill Americans. He's grateful to the Border Patrol for doing their job mm -hmm. and, and stopping these people and preventing them from getting into the country. And one additional question about uh, something that happened a few months ago down at the border. We've been told that the mounted Border Patrol officers, the president accused of whipping migrants, <laughs> have been notified they will not face criminal charges. I thought so they were Joe Biden's is heroes. The president going to apologize to them? Uh, there is a process and an investigation that's gone through the Department of Homeland security. I don't have any update on that. 
the so you're not going to say sorry? They were whipping people, which would be a criminal offense, and they've been told they're not going to be criminally charged. And there was an so investigation into that, and I'll let the Department of Homeland Security announce any conclusion of that investigation. But are you going to say sorry? these officers of brutal and inappropriate measures, now that they've been told they will not be criminally charged, will you apologize? And Peter, there was an investigation into uh, their behavior, so that investigation is playing out. Whenever there, it's uh, going to be announced, the Department of Homeland Security will announce that, and I'm sure we'll have a comment on it after that. Go ahead. I'm sure Alejandro I'm sure. is ready to jump right on that press release. Yeah, he's going to fucking jump right on that one. Hey, listen. God, I fuck. God. Last Damn it, I hate her. Last Thursday, she made those, you know, off-color comments about Peter Ducey's son of a bitchedness right? at a town hall. He wasn't going to let her skate. He not only asked her three big <clears throat> questions, but had a follow-up that was like, just pure ball busting. Yeah. So when, when she wanted to skirt away from, like, Joe Biden and the Border Patrol whipping thing, he's like, you specifically said that these were some horrific and, like, inhumane acts. Well, you apologize. You could just see that, like, it went from joking in the beginning about him not being a doctor or playing one on television to, like. So just, like, fuck, I hate you. She, she was trying to build, like, this is what she was saying government public transportation is like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was building buses with her hands. I just love the, okay, so we're going to quantify terrorists that we've encountered at the border and caught as the only terrorists that we've encountered and caught. The newest estimates, I don't know if you heard it in there, was 2,000 getaways a day. Yeah, so in those quantifiable numbers of mm-hmm. the ones that we've caught, however many she cited or didn't cite or they didn't are want the, to cite. They are the best numbers. We, we protected the homeland by catching those ones. So obviously those are the only ones that are coming. Yeah, they updated that number. I, I think he said 24. It was 42 today. He might have been experiencing a little dyslexia when he read it originally. Yeah. But that was the official statement. So if you could think about all the people that have gotten away, which they are now saying, I saw the numbers this morning, it was 209,000 and change. Sprinkle a couple yeah. on the terrorist watch list in there. Plus, plus, plus. Yeah, but like she literally tried to say that like we obviously got all of them, so there's not that many. Like what? Fuck off. Well, Talking about holes in the border. She's got a hole in her head. Yeah. Figuratively, of course. There's a hole in my border. There you go. <laughs> we did have the best borders. Yes. Just a year and a half ago. You know who's making a strong one right now? Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Yep. Big Dick Ron himself. Adding fuel to the fire after I was able to confirm that Trump v. DeSantis was real. There has been some video that has gone viral on social medias of a Mar-a-Lago event that happened a night ago where Donald Trump greeted Roger Stone. And after a brief hug, Roger Stone said, you have to watch out for DeSantis. That guy's a piece of shit. And then the audio kind of cuts off. So he's been having a pretty good week in Florida, though, in addition to the judge down there ending the mask mandates. He has canceled over 40% of proposed legislation for school stuff, um, curriculum that was given to review so that they can implement it into the Florida public school system. And I guess he had a team ready to break down all this stuff. Apparently a whole bunch of the math was just laced with critical race theory bullshit. Super. And racial stuff and pronoun stuff. So nearly half of the curriculum that was proposed to be implemented, I believe it's called like best period in between each letter, 
um, was kicked back and said they're not going to use it. Go figure it out. What the fuck are you going to do? We need new stuff. He's like, math is about getting to, I mean, even the, there was a common core stuff in there too. No, we're not doing that. Nope. So that was a good one. I also saw Ron DeSantis talking yesterday about holding the Twitter uh, shareholders, the big guns, accountable for what's going on with the Elon Musk narrative right now. So apparently the state of Florida in their retirement plans have stock options. Twitter is one of them. And by Twitter necessarily tanking their own stock for not taking the almost 60% plus offer that Elon Musk gave them originally could be hurting potential Florida retirees because it's hurting their retirement. Yeah. So he is, he is looking at legal options to hold them accountable. It's you, you can't just do whatever you want. Like when they were doing the shit with the, the meme stocks, right? Like, Oh, you're just going to lock up the fucking stock market. So people can't buy the shit that's fucking over your buddies. And, and now that you don't want somebody who wants something positive to be part of your shitty fucking platform that you can just be a goddamn Nazi on basically. You're talking about the ape army movement towards like AMC and stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I definitely made some money on AMC. I'm not going to lie to you. Sure did. No, but just because, I mean, it's the same, like I'm going to take my ball and go home. Mm -hmm. Like, nope. Like this is really bad for all of my shareholders, all the stockholders, but we're not going to make this financially, you know, reasonable decision to sell at a fucking premium just because now in addition to those l or um, i'm sorry w's one of the biggest l's out of all of them was disney's stance on the don't say gay bill and how they decided shortly after the passing of it in florida that 50 percent of all of their characters are going to be transgender and all this other bullshit we've seen attendance go down Cancellations at an all-time high. They're going to give Mania a dick, or what? Like, how are they going to accomplish that? I don't know. There's been some really good memes about it, though. What a lot of people either don't know or forget is that Disney World in Florida has some kind of protected status. Yeah, they can get fucked on taxes now, starting when? Soon. We're going to get into that, but where, like, the Disney World complex is literally its own country, state within a state. Yeah. They have the ability to, you know, formulate their own laws. There's a lot of different things. you got to go do your own research and you get into it. That's neither here nor there. Ron DeSantis today called a special session of the Florida State Legislature to get in there and talk about maybe repealing this off of some of the nasty things that Florida is doing that does nothing except continue to hurt and confuse children. Let's hear him weigh in on it real quick. I am announcing today that we are expanding the call of what they are going to be considering this week. And so, yes, they will be considering the congressional map, but they also will be considering termination of all special districts Mm. that were enacted in Florida prior to 1968. And that includes the Reedy Creek Improvement District. And that's where Disney lies. Um, This is how you win. Because guess what? They ain't moving Disney World out of Florida. And they can't move the fucking prices up much more. It's like, what, you have to take out a fucking, an extra uh, mortgage on your house to buy some fucking popcorn and a couple churros? You know, I've read that. It's already there. Right. It's already the prices. You can't make it go up anymore. I've read there's there's a, cancellations are at an all-time high. They've done some new stuff. 
I think it's in Epcot, definitely with some of the Marvel stuff. And then there's like this Star Wars theme hotel. It's awful. It's like a preview of the pod life Ugh. that the World Economic Forum proposes. But these rooms are like at $2,500 a night. And it's literally like nothing. Oh, and it's like you're staying in the get in the gulag of the Death Star where Carrie Fisher was. You're supposed to be staying in like literally like a spaceship, but if you watch all the space shows, everything's like white and institutionalized, cleaned and minimalized. Yeah. You you talk to your room if you wanted to do stuff, and, and unfortunately, it doesn't do that at Disney World. No. So you're literally paying to like be in a mental institution. Yeah. Like it's it's one thing if you can be like Earl Grey hot, and right. it'll give you some fucking tea, but like. It's just a fucking white room that they polish with Windex every time you move out. Yeah. I mean, there's probably less jizz stains on the mattress, but. <laughs> Can't forget about those jizz stains. <laughs> Is there, maybe they're built in black lights. It's real fun. I, I, you want to see the solar system? <laughs> <laughs> and we're there. But no, I mean. Oh, scissor me timbers. There's a lot of that going on there. Inter- what is it? Intergalactic pronouns? <laughs> oh. We, we we just have to keep it a track on this. It would be really great for Ron DeSantis as the next big thing that he did, cancel Disney's protected status, and uh, you know make them pay taxes and and not get all the breaks that common Americans aren't getting. And you know Florida's got some of the lowest taxes, and they don't have state tax there, and it's really cheap to own property there. But listen, you gotta you gotta feel like in all the other as- aspects, they're they're really hurting the grocery stores and you know. Gas prices, so... Well, they should take away those benefits from this big fucking conglomerate company yeah. that doesn't need the help because they're making money hand over fist. How about you give some of those protections to the people of your state? That'd be the that'd be the big fuck you. Like, it's like hey, you guys got to pay all this extra shit, but we're going to bounce it back and give it to the people of Florida. What gives a theme park and their owners and their board of directors and their CEO, CEOs the rights to, when it's a d- Democrat governor... Lalo, everything's Disney, high boys and girls. And then when somebody like Ron DeSantis or any other, you know, conservative with America first values and principles comes into office and it's like, fuck you and fuck this. And we don't want people that don't respect our pronoun. We're taking boys and girls out of everything. 50% of our entire everything is going to be transgender by like the next couple of years. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't understand the point of that. No. Like, I have nothing against... If you want to be transgender, be transgender. But do it or on your own. Or Whatever, right. yeah. That's the whole point of living in America and being an own, your own sentient being. You can do what you want as long as it's not affecting anybody else. At the end of the day, in, in, in a family-oriented theme park, how dare I say family, where all of the characters are non-human, they're, they're literally fucking animals and aliens and mermaids and all... Does Disney aliens? Well, yeah, you, you, they have the whole Marvel component. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Star Sorry. Wars Sorry now. About that. You know, and pirates and stuff like that. Does well, they already did the woke pirates thing where the the pirates weren't allowed to chase the wenches. Right. I mean, I don't know if there's anything more historically accurate about pirates. But yeah. let's but let's make it so the while we're on this, Johnny Depp made a comment. They during, made the big girl chase the pirates. I'm just saying that's probably wrong too. During his disposition today in the court case against his wife, believe it or not, it was Disney themed. He said, It's pretty crazy how in one second you're sleeping beauty and in point six seconds later you're Quasimodo. <laughs> Wait, what? That's literally what he said in court today. He had and a Disney themed court? He he had a Disney themed <laughs> response in his disposition oh, in court today in the case against his ex wife. I thought maybe the judge was dressed up as Captain Hook or something. I would only hope so. 
Um, here's the end of the deal. Or I'm sorry, here's the deal at the end of the day. Does that agenda belong anywhere in those theme parks? No. No. You don't go to a theme park to learn about pronouns and to learn about gender acceptance and to learn about tolerance. You go to a theme park to see cartoons, to go on rides, to eat junk food that's ridiculously priced. Yeah. And then you go home. If you come from one of those families where everything is, like, indoctrinating, if you want to go to a place that is a theme park. There's parts of towns for that. <laughs> Pronoun town. <laughs> replacing Toontown. Town. You remember, hey, ga- you remember pro- Game Art in Hillcrest? Yes. That was yeah. the best landmark ever. All right. So you're going to get off the 163. You're going to make a ride at Game Art. Kmart? No, I said Game Art. Believe me, you'll know <laughs> when you pass it. No, but that's the thing. No, but, like... Why are we bringing a sexual element into something that is meant for children? Children. Uh, oh, I mean, hold on. We're doing it in schools, too. Like, I mean, I, I hate to beat a dead horse, but if you're going to beat the dead horse, just, you know, I don't need to see its giant horse cock while we're doing it. Okay, groomer. Right? Yes. I don't know. These people are sick. I, and I, I feel like I'm pretty tolerant of just about everything. Do what you want. Don't bother me. I mean, just don't bother me in general. I don't even like when people talk to me half the time. But, like, if you're going to knock on my door and you're a seven-foot-tall tranny, Mm. I mean, not even really trying to look like a woman, looking like a fucking rodeo clown. Like, Mm. what is the point? Like, if you want to do that, that's fine. Go do it in your own. Yeah, go do it in your own area. Like, it doesn't matter. It it, it has no no place except where it's appropriate, which is... Wherever you guys hang out. It used to be the land of imagination. Now it's the land of pronouns and tolerance. And how dare you. Mm. Purple haired meanies. We'll keep tracking with. Uh, Hard fuck me. There you go. Ron DeSantis is, as all of these things are moving and have moving parts. And, and he's continuing to weigh in on them. Let's hope that those strong legislators down there like Anthony Sabatini in the state Senate. Even as he vies for his U.S. House seat. Continues to urge and nudge Ron DeSantis to keep the America First agenda going. Which all these things that are going on in Florida are as we're getting ready to set up our next guest who's coming in. He's faced a lot of these challenges, both from pronouns and the new world order, as we're going to get an update on the reawaken American tour, etc., from none other than Mr. Clay Clark. All right. Jumping in with us next on the show today. He's uh, one of our favorite guests to host. He's the man behind the Reawaken America Tour, in addition to all the other amazing things that he's doing. Mr. Clay Clark, thanks for coming back on Steak for Breakfast. Hey, thank you guys for allowing me to be here uh, with you today, and I hope today that we accomplish uh, three goals for your listeners. So I encourage everyone to take notes, and I'm, I, I promise to deliver three knowledge bombs in 20 minutes. And, and if I fail to do it, guys, hang up on me, maybe boo me, whatever you need to do, and never have me on the show again, because I want to drop three knowledge bombs that I don't believe – uh, are being discussed on any other show other than probably great shows like yours. Oh, thank you. Uh, Noah, do you have the boo button keyed oh, up? That's right here. Okay, oh, good. <laughs> scissor me timbers. There you go. We're ready to go now, Clay. Okay. So first off, um, there's the Great Reawakening. Yeah, it's the Great Reawakening. But people say, what does that mean? Well, the Great Reawakening, I just did an interview, by the way, with the New York Times about this, Al Jazeera. They're reaching out and they go, what are you doing? Like, what is, what's a quote, the, the, uh, the uh, was it the uh, uh, Al Jazeera? They said, what is the, the, the purpose of your tour, and why do you insist on exclusively talking about topics that have been debunked by the mainstream media? Mm. And I said, well, because it's the Great Reawakening versus the Great Reset. And the Great Reset is their plan. 
So I want everybody to go to time2freeamerica.com forward slash revelation, time2freeamerica.com forward slash revelation, so you can see the patents that prove the plan. But let me play the audio clip here. This is Yuval Noah Harari. Yuval Noah Harari. Nobody talks about him. Very scary character. Very should. scary. Okay. So Yuval Noah Harari is the, the lead advisor for Klaus Schwab. He is known as a, he's praised by Obama, Zuckerberg, Gates, New York Times, Stanford, Harvard, everybody in the mainstream media being asked directly at the, uh, again, this is the, the Athens Democracy Forum. They asked him, what is COVID-19? This is what he says. He said, they said, how will, how will COVID-19, the Great Reset, change the world? This is what he says. Maybe in a couple of decades when people look back, the thing they will remember from the COVID crisis is this is the moment when everything went digital. And if this, is, this was the moment when every, everything became monitored, that we agreed to be surveyed all, all the time, not just in authoritarian machines, but even in democracies. And maybe most importantly at all, this was the moment when surveillance started going under the skin. Mm. Because really, we haven't seen anything yet. I mean, he just said this is the moment that surveillance went under the skin. Now, at what percentage of Americans know that this is the moment that, surve- that COVID-19 was the moment that surveillance went under the skin? I mean, what, what percentage? I mean, I, I'm just asking you guys. I mean, is it half? Is it a 10%? I don't know. I'd say it's pretty low. Yeah, I, I would say the, uh, the people who literally look at it as that is probably extremely low. Yeah, the people that are doing it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so does that count as a knowledge bomb? I mean, you guys are the ones keeping score. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it is. Maybe is it, is it a knowledge bomb? Yeah, yeah. I think it's definitely something that you know a lot of our listenership they may have heard him. I I think I've shared some of those clips before, but to really get, start to wrap your brain around what the overall goals are here, what the narrative is, the true narrative, the words between the words, it's pretty horrifying. Yeah, truth bomb number two. So COVID nineteen stands for certificate of vaccination IDAI. And most people don't understand the connection between the Great Reset and AI, the transhumanism agenda. So every time you hear COVID-19, you need to hear Certificate of Vaccination IDAI. That's what this is all about. And until every single person awakens to the truth of this, it becomes very hard to win a battle if you don't know who you're fighting against. So what I have done is I have organized uh, some sound clips into a, a format that, that made sense to me. And I'm going to play this to uh, for your listeners today. And I won't be able to listen to this, okay? This is, this is audio. You're going to hear, and I'll, I'll tell you who's speaking, but this is uh, explaining how COVID-19 stands for Certificate of Vaccination, IDAI. Here we go. And again, this is, listen to it, folks. I'll pause it. I'll break it down. And uh, I, I think this will wake everybody up. So here we go. A lot of breakthroughs on the medical front. Uh, particularly around synthetic uh, mRNA. This is Elon Musk talking, so it's a little bit quieter. Here we go. Let me hit play again. He's, he's talking about Elon Musk. It's going to be a lot of breakthroughs on the medical front, uh, particularly around synthetic uh, mRNA. Uh, you can basically do anything with uh, synthetic uh, RNA, DNA. Um, it's, really, it's like a computer program. So, I mean, I think with enough... With with uh, with effort, that's not too crazy. You could probably stop aging, reverse it if you want. Um, uh, these are 
you can basically do it. You can turn someone into a freaking butterfly if you want with the right DNA sequence. So Elon Musk just explained to you that mRNA technology, if you wanted to, he, so quote unquote, he said you could turn someone into a freaking butterfly if you wanted to. And he said it's basically programming. So in all of the COVID-19 shots, there's mRNA, mRNA, messenger RNA. So I want people to listen to this. OK, this is, again, another audio clip here for you. This is coming at you. That was Elon Musk. Now, this is a guy by the name of Dennis Bushnell. He is the head uh, technology expert at NASA. Again, you can look him up, folks. Dennis Bushnell. He works at NASA. Okay. He wasn't hired yesterday. He's a NASA scientist. He's their chief scientist. Listen to what he says right here. This is Dennis Bushnell. Humans are now becoming cyborgs. We have cochlear implants to hear, artificial retinas to see, artificial hearts to live, artificial limbs to move, artificial organs to functions, and brain chips. There's a couple hundred thousand people wandering around with brain chips now. He just said there's a couple hundred thousand people wandering around with brain chips now. Here we go. Affects congenitally defective brains and increasingly to fix memory and other things. DARPA's working on brain chips for super soldiers. DARPA's working on brain chips for super soldiers, he says. Hmm. We're now working thanks to uh, Musk and other people funding uh, direct machine brain communications. The, the, it's not us versus them, us versus the machines. We're merging. A good two-way communication. That's Dennis Bushnell. Now, this is Yuval Noah Harari, the top advisor for Klaus Schwab, asked, can you explain how the technology works once it's in your body? He says this. Listen to this. This is Yuval Noah Harari. Here we go. System, direct communication system between brains and computers, this is kind of a, the, the watershed moment. Well, I think maybe in a couple of decades when people look back, the thing they will remember from the COVID crisis is this is the moment when everything went digital. And if this, is, this was the moment. So let's make sure we get this, okay? So COVID-19 stands for Certificate of Vaccination, IDAI. Inside the shots, they put RNA technology, RNA-modifying nanotechnology. That nanotechnology has the ability to send you signals, a.k.a. thoughts that are not your own. Now, Robert Malone, this is Robert Malone now. Okay, the next clip will feature Yuval Noah Harari. Then you're going to hear Robert Malone. So here we go, Yuval. Malone just using the mic. We need to realize that humans are now hackable animals. Mm. Humans are now hackable animals, he says, due to this technology. You can hack them. There's a report. Robert Malone, here we go. From a joint report from the government of the UK and Germany about transhumanism. This is the inventor of the mRNA technology. Mm -hmm. And uh, as you know, this is one of the agendas of the World Economic Forum. That's yeah. not hidden. It's not a conspiracy. Transhumanism. And, and they talk about the RNA vaccines as an entry point, uh, oh, kind of opening that space uh, ethically and otherwise. So this is the opening point, the entering into transhumanism. So three knowledge bombs, I promised. One, I just don't think a lot of people understand that COVID-19 was the moment when surveillance went under the skin. Uh -huh. Knowledge bomb number two, Malone just said it. This is the moment that ushers us into the era of transhumanism. This is absolutely wild. I, I mean, do you think the average person knows that? I mean, you guys are awake. I mean, you guys are researching this every day. Do you, I mean, how many people in the Trump movement, the MAGA movement, do you think know this? I mean, there's a decent amount, I think, that kind of fall into like these 
circles that talk about this stuff, but there's probably not a whole lot, though, in, in general public. No, we, we see it highlighted often on places like Steve Bannon's War Room. I mean, he's done a really good job of kind of bringing that to the forefront, but I just think what, what people don't understand is, is how maybe close we are or even we're actually now into the the phasing in of this technology. It's no longer a proposal. It's no longer like, you know, right. part of the great reset that's coming down the road. It's actually something that's been, I mean, he did say there are hundreds of thousands of people with like manipulative stuff going on inside of their body, walking the streets of the world today. That's, right. that's pretty terrifying to hear to say the least. Now listen to Yuval Noah Harari. This is, this is probably the craziest moment that I, I mean, I got a lot of crazy clips here, but this is, he talks about, you talk about the timing of it. The timing. Are we there? Is it happening soon? Where are we at? Is it going to happen tomorrow? Is it in 20 years? Wouldn't we all like to say in 100 years? This will be 200 years. Listen to what he says here. Interview. This is Yuval Noah Harari. And again, I don't think that AI is developing fast enough in order to kind of hack humans perfectly. But the key point is that you don't need perfection. You just need to reach a point when you're better than the average person. And I agree that, to put it in a different way, that AI is, is far less developed than people tend to think, but humans are also far less developed than people <laughs> tend to think. So the uh, aim of the, not the aim, but kind of the, the, the test of the AI is not whether it's perfect, it's just whether it's better than humans. Mm. Now that the big revolution of, of AI is that suddenly you don't need all these KGB agents to write all these paper reports. You just have uh, machines going over all the data. And uh, again, this is not science fiction. This is happening in various parts of the world. It's happening now in China. It's happening now in my home country in Israel. This is happening now. It's, it's, we are living through the implementation of COVID-19, the Great Reset. So the three knowledge bombs I want to be very clear on today, very clear, very specific, is, is one, COVID-19 is all about putting surveillance technology under your skin. Knowledge bomb number one. And again, if it doesn't qualify as a bomb, you feel free to boo me. Two, is COVID-19 stands for Certificate of Vaccination, IDAI. Three, it's happening now. The Great Reset transhumanism agenda is happening now. So you say, Clay, why are you doing these events? I don't take an income. I don't take a salary. I'm being sued by Dominion's Eric Coomer for defamation. The same Eric Coomer who drove a perfectly functioning, moving vehicle into a parked building while intoxicated at 2.30 in the afternoon. That Eric Coomer who posted on social media what he thinks about Trump supporters, that Eric Coomer is coming after me for, for defamation. I take zero income from these events. And people say, why do you do this? I'm doing this for the same reason you guys are doing this. I'm doing this for the same reason that you know, Cash Patel just reached out to join the tour, the Reawaken America tour. Jonathan Isaac, the NBA player who won't kneel, same reason he's reaching out. I'm not paying these people to speak. They understand the urgency of what's going on. And we are at a crossroads right now where we have to choose. We have to, we have to pick a side. The Great Reset versus the Great Reawakening. The Great Reset, lose your freedom, hackable humans, transhumanism. You heard him say it. This is They don't need KGB agents to follow you around because they're in the air everywhere using smart smartphones and surveillance technology. Or... Do we go with the Great Reawakening, which is the awakening to the fact that we only have rights because they're given to us by God and government is created, instituted amongst men to uphold those rights. And if we don't get back to that fundamental uh, worldview, we are headed into a really dark period. And that's why I encourage everybody go to time to free We have seven tickets left for Myrtle Beach. 
Seven tickets left for the Myrtle Beach Reawaken America Tour at timetofreeamerica.com in, in May. And then in July, uh, we've just got under 1,000 tickets remaining for that event, and that's going to be in Virginia Beach in July. And again, you can name your price to these events. And no, we do not. According to the mainstream media, they've reported that rumors of, of, of anthrax being dumped on attendees of the Reawaken America Tour. No, we do not dump anthrax on the attendees of the Reawaken America Tour. <laughs> it is absolutely the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. That would be a weird gimmick. Yeah. And, and then, <laughs> It blows my mind that it actually was reported. I'll tell you, I talked to one of the reporters and he says to me, Clay, I can't report as fact that there was not anthrax dumped on the attendees of the event unless you're willing to supply security footage, both audio and video of your speakers behind the scenes, because that how, that's how we would know if the, 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 the anthrax was put in because you heard that the anthrax was pump, pump, pumped into the air system from behind the stage mm. i'm going so you want me to give you audio and visual of eric trump what uh i mean think about this eric trump P, uh, you know peter navarro uh cash patel mike lindell general flynn you you want me to give you private conversations with the people who are trying to save america well absolutely Clay. i just want to make sure those claims are not substantiated Get out of here. I mean, it's unbelievable the persecution we've been facing. But I'll tell you this. America is rising up, and I feel very, very good about the reawakening. But I encourage everybody today, if you want to help me, uh, if you want to help me wake up America, it's free. It'll cost you about 30 minutes of your time, maybe an hour. Just text the number 918-851-0102, 918-851-0102. That's 918-851-0102. And I'm going to send you a packet of 79 Yuval Noah Harari clips, the ones I just played for you and others. And you can upload those to YouTube. And if you go to YouTube right now and you type in Yuval Noah Harari, the man celebrated by Zuckerberg, Obama, and others is being crushed on YouTube right now. Just pull it up in YouTube right now and search for Yuval Noah Harari. And you're going to see all these patriots are up are uploading the sound clips of this man saying these nefarious things out loud. And it is not going well. Turns out the average person doesn't want to implement the Great Reset. Imagine that. Weird. Yeah. Clay, before we cut with you today, I know we probably should have did it at the top, but it's it's probably the most important thing. How are you doing, big guy? It's been a while since we talked oh, to you. That's good. You know, it's it's great catching up with you. And uh, for some reason, my blood pressure is always a little elevated after you come <laughs> on every time. Well, you know, the one thing that's wild for, for me is um, – you know, this is all I do. I get up at 3 a.m. and I work on this till about seven every day, mm-hmm. every day. I mean, every day. And then Sunday, you know, start at three, go till nine, go to church. Right. Take the kids to cheer and do it again. So this is probably like an 85, 90 hour a week job. And every time I meet with an elected official, like a lieutenant governor or a governor or a attorney general or I don't know. And I meet these people. They always say the same thing to me. It's mind-boggling. They go, how do you know this stuff? And I said, well, I've never heard this before. I didn't know that Yuval Noah Harari and Klaus Schwab. And I'm going, what is it that you know? And what I found is this, Proverbs 9.10. It says, for the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I believe if you don't have the fear of the Lord, you just have dumb. You get part of the word. You don't have wisdom. You have dumb. And I just think a lot of people, you know, they go to CPAC and they go, well, the reason why we have to wear masks at CPAC is because they want to respect the hotel. Screw that. Yep. Go yep. to a different venue. Yeah. 
But it's unbelievable that we've gotten to a place where CPAC, which is supposed to be, you know, the last bastion of true conservative thought, they're being told to wear masks at their events. We've gotten to a place where we have tonight Fox News presented by Big Pharma exposes the truth about Big Pharma. Are you kidding me? Tonight on Fox News, Sean Hannity exposes the corruption of Big Pharma. Today's, today's Fox News is presented by Pfizer. Pfizer, <laughs> Pfizer, Pfizer. Remember, Pfizer. Next commercial. Pfizer, presented to you by Moderna and Pfizer. The good folks <laughs> at Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson. I mean, and you hear Sean Hannity, he can't get away from saying he always has to discredit any treatments. He says, uh, recent studies have shown ivermectin may be effective. However, Pfizer disagrees with that. Yep. We'll be back after the break. This segment is sponsored by Pfizer. Pfizer, <laughs> Pfizer. I mean. Get out of here. It's so disingenuous. And I'm just yeah. telling you, we have a level of corruption there. And I, I have found so far just last week, I got offered over $100,000 a month to host the tour. Someone reached out to me. They said, we understand you and your wife don't take any income and you're being sued. Is this true? I said, yeah. I said, what does it cost you per day? I said, currently the lawsuit costs me about $3,000 a day. Oof. And they go, well, do you, do you want the, that to end? I go, absolutely. I'd love for it to end. I don't want to be sued by, you know, it's not exciting paying $3,000 a day. And they say, well, well, we would love to team up with you and sponsor you. And I look up them and their backgrounds and who they're part of. Big Pharma, Big Pharma, Big Pharma. And that's what happens is mm-hmm. any time a conservative gets a mic, the Luciferian, deep state, Marxist, Big Pharma people Try to reach out to them. And, you know, so like you guys, you guys have a rock and sweet studio. Love the studio there. We are not sponsored by Pfizer. I, no. I can assure you of that. <laughs> but I mean, your studio is great. And I'm just telling you, at some point it will happen. Somebody will reach out and say, do you guys want to be the official show of Spotify? And a lot of people say yes. And then they mute their mic over and over and over. That's what happens. And I'm just telling you, we got to fight back. It cannot be about the money. Yeah. Make a lot of sense there, Clay. And uh... Well, we're definitely at the we're not about the money. Yeah, portion of the program right now for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I'm just telling you though, this is what's so interesting is people on Telegram. A lot of it stopped now, but people on Telegram were like, "Clay Clark is a patriot." P A Y. I literally don't take a dime of income at all, salary from this, and I pay three thousand dollars a day in legal fees mm. in certain deep state actors. Let me just tell you how how crazy it is. Okay, let me tell you a fun story. I'll leave with this fun story. A fake patriot whose name I cannot mention. I won't mention with a gender of the person. They call me and say, hey, can we talk? I said, sure. They said, we'd love to get your thoughts on Mike Lindell's cyber symposium and General Flynn's recent statements on ABC 123. Right. And I always have the, the, the paranoia that my calls are being recorded. Of course. Just like a show. Right. So uh, I, I answer the questions succinctly. Then the person calls me back and says, can I speak at future Reawaken America tour events? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I don't have any spots right now. We're already booked down. You know, we have Jonathan Isaac, Cash Patel, others, um, you know, but if I have one in the future, they go, well, I'd hate to leak the phone call of our last conversation on Telegram. Oh, how convenient. Mm-hmm. And I go, well, I don't mind if you do, because everything I said, I meant, but okay. And then they proceeded to leak the call. And then it just, go, and it just goes on and on and on. And I don't care. And that's old news. That was like nine months ago, whatever. Right, right. That kind of stuff that. happens all the time. And it's just, I encourage all the patriots, focus on the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Get your tickets to Myrtle Beach. We have seven tickets left, time to freeamerica.com. Or you can go to Virginia Beach, uh, both, both kind of a beach theme. And by the way, I'm working on bringing this to Boston. Nice. That's not a beach. Daryl Glenn wants to go to Boston. 
and Washington and Minnesota before we wrap up the tour. So if you uh, want to be a part of that, just go to time2freeamerica.com. Guys, thank you for putting up with me in my unstable internet connection. Hopefully, uh, I've proved to be more emotionally stable than my, than my internet connection today. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> thank you. Clay, always a pleasure. Obviously, I'm not even going to have to mention it because we're at some point we're going to have you back and uh, our listenership really enjoys all the stuff you always bring to Steak for Breakfast. So thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule, which you've outlined for us. Very specifically, takes up about 99% of the average person's day. Mm-hmm. This is the man the host of Thrive Time Show, entrepreneur, author, and the Reawaken America Tour, Mr. Clay Clark. Thanks for joining us on Steak for Breakfast. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you. Take care. Take care. That was good catching up with Clay. Yeah, that guy's got energy, like, nonstop. And for as busy as that guy is, like, like, there's been a couple. I mean, I guess if you really love what you're doing. I'm not saying that, you know, working at Walmart's not rewarding, but it's less rewarding than it used to be. Guy takes a lot of slings and arrows. He also has a very specific message he wants to give when he comes on shows like ours. I'm glad we were able to, at least towards the end of it, pump the brakes a little bit and get some of the human side of it. Yeah. Uh, because at the end of the day, you got to remember these people are, are human beings and, you know, they're going through a lot. Really like the fact that in addition to Eric Trump and Peter Navarro, who they've recently added to the slate, one of our great friends going to be a May guest as well. Mr. Cash Patel. Oh, there you go. Is joining the uh, tour for the last couple of stops as well. We're heading into a really, really, really crucial time for the midterm elections. I know it's one of the big highlights of this show um, and all part of the rebranding year and a half ago that we did in regards to the narrative that we try to bring you every week. It's not just geopolitics and things at the domestic level. It's making sure the right candidates get chosen and, get into office to represent you, the American people. Because of the Easter weekend, the news narrative was kind of slow. So one of the things a lot of the news agencies were focused on were the midterm elections. Um, Donna Brazil, Fox News contributor, Mm -hmm. I guess, uh, was on ABC News this weekend talking about the midterm elections. Let's hear her weigh in on some uh, prospectus heading into these crucial weeks that we're entering. For Republicans is better than it was in 1994. Oh, I thought it was my voice changer for a Which second. Which leads you to ask the question, how could you screw this up? It's Mr. Werther's. It's actually possible. You can't nominate somebody who's just sort of unacceptable to a broader group of people and win. Bit of a warning there from Mitch McConnell against a backdrop of Republican gains, anticipated Republican gains in the midterm elections. Let's talk about it in our roundtable with Chris Christie, Donna Brazil our congressional correspondent, Rachel Scott. And we want to welcome our newest ABC contributor, Maria Elena Salinas. Welcome. Good Oof. to have you here. Uh, so, so Donna, you see he, Mitch McConnell referenced 1994, complete bloodbath for Democrats. Is that what it's going to take for Democrats to hold on, survive in midterm elections, for Republicans to screw up? Absolutely, George. And all we have to do is wait over the next 37 days as 11 or 12 states hold their primaries. You have big primaries in Ohio and, and North Carolina, Pennsylvania, where the, pre- the former president has already tipped the scales in support of one candidate over another. The Republicans are essentially running on fumes. They're <laughs> running on the energy of 2020, which is the big lie. Democrats are running on an economy that's roaring back, oh. that is uh, fighting inflation, that mm. is helping the Ukrainians. Democrats will run on what they've delivered. Republicans are going to run on the fumes of 2020. Mm, fumes? Fumes. 
I just feel like I'm running on fumes. I don't know how we can win. It's lost. We should just give up. Well, you heard what she said, and, and she was very to the point. There, There's an economy that's roaring back. The Democrats are fighting with Ukraine and against inflation. And the Republicans have nothing to hitch their wagons to except the big lie that was 2020. She's not wrong there. Right. It just depends on how the delivery goes. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That caught a lot of attention in the news cycle. I saw it being retweeted. There was a couple op-eds written about it shortly thereafter, and Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, jumped on with Fox News Sunday night to talk about this narrative and things to look forward to heading into the midterms. Let's hear him give his perspective on it. Head to midterms. A Quinnipiac poll this week has President Biden at 33 percent approval. Only 76 percent of Democrats approve and only 26 percent of independents. You've expressed confidence heading into midterms. Take a listen. We're going to win the majority, and it's not going to be a five-seat majority. But Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell seems a little more cautious. How could you screw this up? (laughs) It's actually possible. (laughs) And we've had some experience with that in the past. Is there any chance Republicans are a little overconfident this year? No, we're not overconfident. But the one thing you have to look at, why is the president's approval numbers are so low? It's the wasteful, irresponsible spending that has led to higher prices and inflation. It's the irresponsible actions of this president along the border that has led to an immigration and a fentanyl crisis. It's the irresponsible policies of this administration that has led to dangerous streets, ineffective schools, and that has got to stop. But it's got to be more than just to criticize them. What Americans want, need, and deserve is a clear, common-sense alternative. Mm. And that's what's happening with the House Republicans. We will provide to the American public a commitment to America, one that can stop this runaway spending that causes inflation, that we're able to become energy independent, not dependent on Russia or any other country for our energy, and lower the price of fuel. We will make our streets, our schools safe again. We will secure our border to stop this immigration crisis, but more importantly, to stop the fentanyl that is coming into America. We've just found that fentanyl is now the number one cause of death for Americans between the ages of 18 and 45. Mm -hmm. And it's not because Americans are taking more drugs, they're actually taking less. It's more dangerous of what's coming across this border. Mm. That's the difference of why the president's approval ratings are so low, and that's why America will make a new course and Republicans will take the majority. Some suggest it can't be a big red wave because of the way districts are drawn, the gerrymandering. Do you buy that? There are fewer competitive districts because we've just gone through redistricting. So, And there's fewer seats for Republicans to win. In the last election, there were 30 Democrats sitting in seats that Trump carried, only 13. If you look at Virginia, Virginia for governor, um, the governor to win there and to turn the House, he had to win in Democrat seats. That's why we need people to join with us. If you believe these irresponsible policies are wrong, you want a new direction, um, you want to hold this administration accountable, I believe join with us 
and uh, we can hold this administration accountable and make the next century the American century. To the GOP agenda, you've said House Republicans will put out proposals this fall on key agenda items, fighting inflation, increasing domestic energy production, and securing the southern border. But if you take the House back, you still have a Democrat in the White House. How will you get to actual consensus and get bills signed? Well, we'll pass them out of the House, but I believe going through this current administration and these poor policies, remember what happened after 1994. We balanced the budget, we reformed welfare, and you did that with a Democrat in the White House after they had a rude awakening when the American public spoke very clearly that they wanted a new agenda and a new transformation. The other thing that comes with a new majority is you're able to hold this administration accountable. We're able to stand up to an attorney general who goes after parents and calls them terrorists if they want to go to a school board meeting. Yes. You're able to actually find why did we have 13 new gold star families based upon the uh, pilling out Americans out of Afghanistan. We can look at the IRS re releasing taxpayers um, filings. Mm -hmm. Why is that going forward? There are numerous places to hold this administration accountable. We'll finally get to the bottom of the origins of COVID. Why did it kill so many millions of people across this world? Where did it start? And make sure that never happens again. Some hmm. well, there's a lot of stuff to unpack there, but yeah. I think he's uh, on to some certain issues. Yeah. I mean, proposed legislation, it's going to be up to Joe Biden at the end of the day on whether or not he wants to uh, look into it. But here's the thing. With those poll numbers tanking. They're not going to look into anything. No. Joe Biden, it, it's been confirmed today that when Barack Obama was at the White House last week, Joe Biden informed him of his intentions to run. Oh, good. For re-election of President of the United States in 2024. Which uh, adds to the field. You have potentials now of Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, Tulsi Gabbard, maybe Liz Cheney. It's starting to shape up pretty nice. <laughs> Is anybody just going to even jump on board with Hillary again? I mean... I mean, because they can't say it's because she's a woman now. Right. <laughs> I, I just think she's going to use her track record. Yeah. So, wife of a former president former Secretary of State. Senator oh, man, all those I'm with her stickers. Senator That's not okay her. anymore either. And I'm with Zer. How dare you? <laughs> it's ma'am. Yeah, definitely some interesting things going on. I don't really buy into the whole, which was the centerpiece of both of those audio clips, Mitch McConnell saying that there's a way to screw it up. Mitch McConnell's talking like that because right now, Adam Lexalt and Herschel Walker are leading in the polls, and if that happens, Mitch McConnell's not going to be the Senate Majority Leader. We're probably going to have some new leadership there. Um, we've already laid out for our listenership and for those of us listening for the first time today, the reality of Kevin McCarthy and, and what's going on there. He will most likely be Speaker of the House, and the only reason for that is is because he's already brought in over $104 million in fundraising just this year, and we're only through three quarters. Uh, that's not something you really can take for granted. And uh, when you look at the people who are potential challengers, and there are some strong ones in the House of Representatives, it's what the reality of losing to that challenge looks like for them and, and their agenda, which is probably a little bit more America first than Kevin's, but we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Well, leave it to MSDNC to start to spin all of those narratives. 
because what we saw happen over the weekend is they've had so much time on their hands with the Easter holiday and not too much of the news cycle spinning to start talking about things that just aren't true. So we had Katrina Baba on on Friday, and she definitely, well, she said he's definitely running, even though there's been no formal announcement. Donald Trump has treated, teased it repeatedly. And right now we're, we're starting to get this thing. I saw there was an article from, it might have been the New York Times or Newsweek last week, where it theorized that because of Donald Trump's current health status or future health status, that he would not be running for president in 2024. They're already starting to try and delegitimize the base. Um, Two former Obama officials from the administration jumped on with MSDNC over the weekend to kind of talk about the potential of Donald Trump running for president and try to spin it with the narrative that he's hurting the party by placing himself at the center. Mm, Of course. Yeah, let's hear these morons weigh in on it. Fluff and longtime Democratic veteran and friend of the beat on Che Days, Che Komenduri. Welcome to both of you. Good to be here, Ari. Great to have you, David. I'm sure you read uh, the Times piece with some interest and the moderate annoyance. Um, real party bosses, whatever the party, um, care about the party, right? There are people who actually care about the Republican Party, its policies, what it wants to do. Uh, we know, and I, I think the audience knows, Donald Trump doesn't care about that. Uh, he doesn't care about policy. He eliminated the platform. Um, so it's party boss in quotes, um, but it's a portrait of his strain for relevance against the metrics I just ran through, that he has become, in some measurable ways, David, boring. Mm. Uh, What is the challenge and opportunity there? Boring. Well, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I mean, I've said for some time, I may live to eat these words, I doubt he ends up running. Um, Because (laughs) I think at the end of the day, you can see the trend lines. And some of the focus groups that have been reported on with Republicans, even people like them say it's time for something new. Uh, because they think that's the best route to win. And what's fascinating about the pilgrimage to Mar-a-Lago is I believe it's quite likely the Republicans that are most successful this November in, in true swing competitive uh, you know, Senate, governor, and House races are those that show a little distance from Trump, even if it's just it's time to move on. Joe Biden was elected. Uh, but that's not where the party is still. So I think the risk will be what Trump is doing is deeply damaging this party. You remember back in 10 and 12, the Republicans left three, four, five Senate races on the cutting room floor because they nominated people that could not win general elections. And I think that some of the people Trump's laying hands on may lose winnable races. So that's what's fascinating. I think you see a dichotomy. Um, but I think the, the folks that are going to end up doing the best with the general election, because I actually think there's going to be swing voters, Ari, that will want to reward Republicans that show a little bit of separation mm. from Trump. You saw it in Virginia. I mean, Youngkin tried to dance a very delicate dance, but but I think the signal that most voters in Virginia got, if not nationally, was he was not Trump. He was kind of, you know, Mitt Romney 2.0. Mm. Yeah. And Shay, um, I mentioned this. We can throw it up back up on the screen. I mentioned in the setup that there are signs that there's less interest. Uh, I think we all know that in 2015 or 2016, uh, a, a Donald Trump website or news center or blog um, would have felt larger and bigger and certainly would have been boosted by Twitter and other things. This is just clicks. And, and you see here, I'm going to leave this up while, while you talk, Jay. This is a crash for Donald Trump and interest in what he's saying and doing. It is. But let me take a, a little bit of a contrary view to this. I totally agree. The metrics are very real. Trump's influence has waned. It is declining. That is all very true. The problem is that he is still by far the most powerful person in the Republican Party by a mile. 
He's mm. the most important and influential member of that party. He is the person who is still most likely to be the GOP nominee in 2024. He's still that by a long mile. If you think about it historically, what Donald now, are you Trump allowed, has achieved... Che, are you allowed to disagree with the former Obama campaign manager? I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> now I can, yes. I, I couldn't do that before 2008, but I can do, do it now. <laughs> Go ahead. But, you know, in addition to that, you know, he also is somebody who's done something really remarkable historically. What he has done is, as an ex-president, he has positioned himself really as the leader and putative nominee of the party. You know, nobody was talking about Bush Sr. running again and being the nominee in 96. Nobody was talking about Jimmy Carter running again and being the nominee in 84. Donald Trump, what he's done as an ex-president who has lost an election is really remarkable. I mean, people bring up Grover Cleveland. Grover Cleveland won the popular vote. Donald Trump is a total loser on every level. He should have walked out of here disgraced and humiliated. And that is not what has occurred. Hmm. <laughs> Let's go back. Do we want to unpack that one? Here we go. So they said Donald Trump has been the destroyer of all things policy related. Okay. So after a presidency where you served for four years and gotten things done, those policies are now yours. They're called Trump era policies. So those are the policies of the party now because they were the ones that were most successful and resonated with people throughout the course of his presidency. So, so that first narrative was fake. Mm -hmm. We just talked about it with Christina also on Friday. Donald Trump still getting anywhere between 35 and 80,000 people everywhere he goes every weekend as a, according to these guys, former embarrassed, disgraced ex-president. Oh, you don't forget impeached twice. Doesn't, doesn't really sound too boring to me. <laughs> no, it sounds exciting. Yes. They used fake polls to talk about um, clicks on social media because Donald Trump no longer is on social media. And the polls that they used started in January of 2020, right before he was permanently banned from Twitter and Facebook. Oh, so the saying that his internet presence suffered. Right. So, so it was like <laughs> I wonder why. It was literally at the top of the chart, and then there's like a little blip, and then it goes straight down, and then across the board since, which would make sense if you're not on fucking social media. That's what happens when you get flatlined. Says he has less influence over the party. These people are retarded. The only people he doesn't have influence over are the ones who are getting primary. I'd like to apologize to retarded people. Quitting or retiring. That's a fact. Everyone else who, who kind of is is in the Republican Party and with the America First movement, he has total influence over them. Yeah. And one thing I agree with them on, talking about leaving a few Senate seats out there, I don't think either one of those guys subscribed to Steak for Breakfast, but we've been talking for almost a year now how Ohio and Pennsylvania have been severely neglected by Donald Trump and the America First movement. And if we leave either one of those Senate seats out there, they have nobody but to blame but themselves. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump just just endorsed J.D. Vance this week. I don't hate it, but I also don't love it because, you know, not too long ago, right before Donald Trump took office, I, I've got some, you know, pretty bad receipts that we've put out there on social media from J.D. Vance of nasty things that he said about him on and across social medias. And for me, sometimes it's hard to believe that people can, you know, Changed their tune that quick. So much of the fact that you get endorsed by Donald Trump, but that's the direction they're going in. So what else can you do besides support it? The fact of the matter is, though, is that these receipts ex exist. You know, there's been great people like Jack Posobiec and Raheem Kassam that have been out there continuing to remind everybody what they are and what they look like and the things that he said and what what can you do? But if, if Ohio or Pennsylvania 
go to the Democrats or we get some awful rhino in there, they have nobody to blame but themselves. Because, you know, I'm sure people like Steak for Breakfast aren't the only ones that have been calling this since kind of day one. And, you know, we're coming up on a huge time. If you just want to talk midterm elections, in the next 35 days, you're going to have between 11 and 12 primaries. And the big ones, Ohio, North Carolina, and Pennsylvania. And motherfuckers are getting primaried. Are all, are all in those states. <clears throat> so we definitely need to keep an eye on that because while we're focused on the midterm elections and getting this country back on track, there are people from uh, news outlets like, well, it just seems that MSDNC is a reoccurring theme this week. I guess they were the, the biggest proprietors of junkness. Yeah. Nicole Wallace, who hates America and, and, and all things wholesome, she was this week talking about how the, one of the biggest threats to national security, you're never going to believe this one, Noah, is the Republican Party. Well, you probably are going to believe this one. So the people who want to, quote unquote, save America. It's weird because it's the name of it. Yeah. <laughs> the. Oh, wait. Na- national security. Yes. Not unmitigated flow of unknown persons into the country. We're not talking about, I don't have the data. I'm not a statistician. The numbers that you're arguing do not reflect the actual narrative. I'll have to direct you to the Department of Homeland Security. I'm ready for press sec. Yeah, I mean. (laughs) And Nicole Wallace is currently auditioning for Rachel Maddow's job. Let's hear her. Try to light fire as best she can. McCarthy was on Fox yesterday again, relying completely on the disinformation bubble that, that encompasses so many of his voters. He said this, there's a strong support for NATO moving forward. That's not true. We know that's not true because a week ago, two weeks ago, 63 House Republicans voted against a purely symbolic resolution offering unequivocal support for NATO. How, how do you get Democrats to get on offense and describe Republicans the way you and I see them as a threat to national security. Oh, fuck you. How about if we pay our fair share of NATO and then we'll talk? How about that? Yeah, how about what, what are the numbers? I, I literally cannot retain information like you do. We were paying like 400 times more than our allies. 400 times more? Yes. Than how many countries are in NATO? I mean, roughly? 28 now. 28. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 28 countries, 400 times. Are they paying anything? Are they just like emptying out their fucking lint and pocket change every once in a while? The average in contrast to what we were paying was they were paying between 0.02 and 0.04% of the total amount that we were paying. And that includes completely first world industrial. So we are NATO. Yes. Yes. Well, look at who, the, look at who the, the supreme allied commander of NATO has been through the years. It's been American after American. I mean, there's been a couple blips in there, but for the most part, it's been Americans. Weird, right? I'm going to only assume that we're funneling much higher percentages of uh, weapons of war into Ukraine right now, too. Probably the totality of them. Your tax dollars at work. And remember, one of the narratives they said... And if it's coming from another country, it just means that it's coming from our warehouse in that country, probably. Exactly. But they're just making it sound like it's that other country. Or a patent that somebody stole. Or or weapons that we gave to another country, they reverse engineered, put their own flag on it, and are now giving it to Ukraine. So Obama only sent Ukraine, no, I, I believe it was MREs and blankets, and then they say Donald Trump hated Ukraine, blah, blah, blah. There was the whole Ukraine gate phone call thing. Donald Trump held aid from Ukraine for, I believe, a grand total of 59 days. Um, 
where Joe Biden threatened to take billions away from them if they didn't fire the prosecutor who was investigating his son's bad business dealings there, but can't say that either. Don't worry, Noah. In addition to being actual threats to democracy, former Russiagate instigator and former head of the National Intelligence Agency, James Clapper, is hidden for old reliable. Mm. Because here's the thing. If the United States, via the midterm elections, is going to get away from supporting Ukraine, then it is his feeling that Russia will interfere with said elections to make sure that everybody that loves Donald Trump gets in and eventually Donald Trump becomes president again. Hmm. I'm not making this stuff up. It's Russiagate 2.0 preview. Let's hear it. More on this uh, with the former director of national intelligence, uh, General James Clapper. He's a CNN national security analyst. Of course he is. Uh, he's a retired U.S. general. Thanks so much, General, for joining us. Uh-huh. So with this new commander in charge, how far will this go potentially to turn around Russia's failures on the battlefield, at least so far? Well, I, I, I'm not sure it will, Wolf. Uh, uh, you know, he has a reputation, uh, as Brian Todd described in his segment, uh, of being a butcher. And so not to be flip about it, but I, may, I guess the brutality would be more efficient now. Uh, I do think his, his real challenge, he's gonna have two challenges. One, he's not gonna be operating in a benign environment like he was in, in Syria. Uh, where he's got a, a, an armed and professional and skilled opponent in the form of the, of the Ukrainians. And so, I, you know, I, I just, and the other thing is that uh, I have doubts about the extent to which he can muster the combat power, which is a term that's kind of thrown around loosely, which is actually a very complex thing and in many elements of it. And I think given the, the weakened state of the Russian uh, military contingent that's uh, tried to take on Ukraine, uh, he's going to have his hands full. So do you fear, uh, General, uh, that this uh, signals potentially even more brutality against Ukrainian civilians to come? Uh, Unfortunately, I do. Uh, I mean, this this seems to be the one thing that the Russians are proficient at is uh, killing innocent people non-combatants and destroying civilian infrastructure. And I guess he's pretty good at that. Uh, so yes, I, 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 I fear that, that the uh, horror of what we've witnessed in Mariupol and other places uh, is, is gonna be compounded uh, under the leadership of uh, this guy. Intelligence suggests, by the way, that Vladimir Putin may respond to US military support for Ukraine by ramping up its efforts to interfere in U.S. elections, ah. uh, you of course uh, saw that firsthand oh. back in 2016. How worried should we, we be about a more aggressive Russian election interference program? Well, we should be concerned about it, but I think we learned a lot uh, the hard way in 2016, and there have been a great yeah, many it was improvements. Yeah, completely debunked. Um, at least from a cyber standpoint, I think we still have issues with what I'll call cognitive security. And that is what, uh, how, how well we're able to forestall uh, Russian use of social media to influence uh, opinions and to capitalize on the divisiveness and polarization in this, in this country. And it's not surprising to me that Putin would resort to this since it worked pretty well for him in, in 2016. Ah, 
Let's start, yeah. let's start spinning that narrative. What do you think, Noah? Yeah, let's just keep, you know, making Li- shit up, and then we'll just keep repeating it. Liar's going to lie? Yep. I like it. You know what I don't like? It's the fact that that was our last audio clip of the day, but we are about to jump in with our last guest. He's returning to the show, running an amazing campaign out of Utah 3, very America first, Jason Preston. So we're going to allow him to uh, let his audio key up, and let's hit it. All right, joining us next on the show today, one of our favorite guests. He's back with a campaign tour update, looking to represent Utah 3 in the upcoming midterm elections, running for U.S. House seat. Mr. Jason Preston, thanks for coming back on Steak for Breakfast. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Oh, it's, our, are it's our pleasure, sir, and thank you. How's everything going with you? How's the campaign trail? It has been amazing. Uh, you know, we have a uh, convention system out here uh, where you have, we basically, you nominate delegates and uh, the del- there's in this district about a thousand delegates who this Saturday will uh, nominate who they want to go on the ballot for the Republican Party. And uh, we have the potential this Saturday to uh, knock the incumbent out if he does not get at least 40 percent of the vote. Uh, he will not even be on the uh, Republican uh, ballot in uh, June when we have our primaries. Mm. So the thing is, we've got like we've had a ton of these delegates that are America first people that are ticked off about what happened in the elections. And they went in and they and they got nominated as delegates. And uh, we have got a massive little house cleaning on the way. Well, I think the American people have just about had it with the current system that's in place. So to get out there and actually be championing uh, America First values as part of your campaign platform, which you outlined for our guests last time, I think that's probably critical to uh, nailing some of those delegates down, to say the least. Oh, yeah, for sure. What are some of the things right now that people in Utah 3 are focused on? Uh, you know, it's – I think it's, it's this is very similar across the country. People are concerned about our borders. Uh, people are concerned about our economy, our energy independence. Uh, they're concerned about what's going on in our schools, you know, the Marxist takeover. And even though our representatives don't want to admit it, they're concerned about election integrity. Sure. And it's interesting is Utah's ranked, I think, uh, 40, I think 42nd or 43rd, in, according to Hillsdale College in election uh, security. And yet Utah prides itself on being the gold standard for elections. And uh, meanwhile, this has been the home of mail-in voting for years. In fact, you know, you know they're trying to push ranked choice voting, which is a Soros-funded program. This is a t- t- test date for that. Oh, what could go wrong? <laughs> what could go wrong? I mean, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so there's a lot, you know, Utah tends, you know, Utah doesn't want to touch election integrity. They want to pretend there's nothing there to see. Uh, they won't address it. They won't have an audit. We have one state rep who will, will even bring it up and no one else will touch it. None of our federal reps will touch it yet. 95% of the people I talk to are very concerned about it. So um, we've got a, a government here that is very out of control in this state. Yeah. And it has been for a long time. We're starting to see, you know, we, we, we've seen some pretty disturbing things over the last month, both from the governor and then the Senator there. Uh, that definitely don't align up with America First values and, or, or Trump era policies, two of the biggest things on your campaign platform that you've uh, kind of laid out for your constituents. Because like you said, that is part of their genuine concern. I mean, what's the big deal putting men in my daughter's locker rooms? What could go wrong? 
how dare you? <laughs> you know, it, it's it's. I think when you 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 touched on the school thing, and and that specifically is one of the biggest hot topics of the entire midterm elections, and we're seeing a huge referendum, uh, pretty much coast to coast. There's even, believe it or not, out here in radical progressive California, we've seen things from like critical race theory and vaccine mandates for children both not voted in with a supermajority at mm-hmm. the state level because the parents have absolutely had it. Yeah, you know, in a place out here where where they don't think people organize, they've had. Thousands and thousands of people from Sacramento all the way down to San Diego campaigning and, uh, you know, protesting these things, being indoctrinated to their children. And it's good to see you kind of uh, laying that out there as one of the most important things that people are concerned with in Utah. Yeah, and this is why I'm excited. And it's one of the reasons I decided to run is because, you know, tyranny and pain can be very good. Um in fact, it's necessary because complacency, when everything's okay and all is well, we tend to sit back and let and, and not worry. And when the people sit back and are not concerned, government always gets out of control yeah. and always tends towards power. And, and for the last hundred years, we've, we've watched this constitution and this republic get decimated. You know, you look what happened in the 30s and, and the Federal Reserve and, 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 and everything that Roosevelt did. I mean, they, they destroyed this country over the last hundred years because we've been complacent and we've had it too good. And so I'm glad we had Obama. I'm glad we got Biden because America needs a big slap in the face that says, look, look what's happened because of our apathy. Our government has been betraying us. And if we don't stand up now, our children aren't going to have a country to live in anymore. You're 100% right there. I think, uh, Barack Obama was the wake-up call to, like you said, the slap in the face that Joe Biden's been on on every level since he assumed office there. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, as conservatives, we've been you, – you framed it perfectly, absolutely complacent about it. I think we had a couple oh-my-God, oh-my-God moments, like leading up to the 2020 presidential election, and then obviously thereafter with stuff like January 6th and, and things that, you know, have made kind of conservatives at the ground levels play their hands, but – we're seeing a lot more organizing. We're seeing a lot more people getting together and start to collaborate in an effort. It starts with these America first campaigns that people like you and other uh, house candidates, senatorial candidates and, and people who are running for governor that we've had on the show had. It sounds like you guys are all on the same page, whether or not you're connected or, or that may not be the case. It's still good to hear the messaging is the same. And then you see at the grassroots level, a lot of people just organizing, the, you know, getting into being election uh, monitors and, and, and officials and stuff like that. And just to try and, get a little bit of grips on our country back. We're losing it so fast. And, you know, the way some of these things are, are being shoved down our throat, it's pretty scary. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I tell people is tell me one nation, one society that's, that's, that's lasted after losing control of their elections, losing control of their borders, losing control of their currency, and then having a moral collapse of the individuals and families. No, no nation has survived that. And most recently, Venezuela. Yep. And, uh, you, I mean, you, you look at those four areas, and, and there's not one of those areas where we are strong. In fact, I'd say all four of those areas, we are, are, are those pillars are all collapsing around us. And uh, it, it's only a matter of time before the whole nation falls, unless we stand up and strengthen those pillars. Yeah. it's definitely something that uh, I think has come back into focus. I, I do believe, and I'm a firm believer in the fact that, uh, you know, people are finally starting to see it 
and wake up and really try to uh, get a grip on this thing before we lose it. And and this is the first election, which will, I believe, be a series of elections moving forward. We had Christina Bob on, uh, formerly of One American News. She's done a bunch of other things, Department of Homeland Security. She's a Marine. She now works directly for Donald Trump down at Mar-a-Lago on last week, and she kind of laid it out for us how this is the first of probably three or four major elections, midterm and, and, and generals moving forward, that we're really going to kind of get a better handle on this thing and start to direct this country back, you know, at least the moral compass and, and infrastructure parts of it back to where it needs to be. Yeah, because this is what has to happen. You know, we have a lot of reps, and this is the problem with power. Uh, these guys get bought off. They get controlled. Uh, and they and they end up not being uh, able to speak their truth because they care more about staying in power than than uh, fighting against the machine. Sure, you know we've talked about election integrity. It's it's, it's it is one of the biggest issues in, in this country to the people. And here's but here's what's interesting: if you come to Utah, do you know how many federal reps will even address it and even acknowledge that it's an issue? Probably not very many. <laughs> yeah. Zero. Zero. And how about state reps in Utah? One. Mm. Uh, two. Uh, and one, one person presented in front of our state Senate uh, about six months ago and said, basically, presented a bunch of data. And they said, we need to stop, stop doing mail-in voting. We need to stop. Uh, we need to start doing voter ID. We need to you know, have an independent audit. Well, within a week, his wife was threatened, he was threatened, and he resigned. Oof. So, you know, here's what's exciting. We break through this Saturday. We shut the incumbent down, and all of a sudden we have a voice. And all these people who are concerned about election integrity where no one will champion their voice and everywhere, everyone's just hushing them, all of a sudden we rally them and we strengthen their voice. We empower them and get them to stand up and push back. I will tell you, the establishment fears nothing more than people who get into office who will not only listen to people, represent the people, but but fire up the people and get the people to stand up and take their freedoms back. That's what we need. Not a politician who will just vote right, but a politician who will fire up the people and, and empower the movement, because that's where real change happens is with movements. And that's the thing they fear most. That's why January 6th was such a coup to talk. Yep. It wasn't. It was it was about the elections, but the biggest thing was let's scare these people back into their homes so that they don't come out and do what they did with the Tea Party movement. Yep. Yeah, it seems like if we spank them hard enough, they'll just sit it. They'll just sit at home and complain on the internet still. Yeah, but then when you look at the the movement now that is Save America with America First agenda on there as well, it looks like they've overestimated on, uh, you know, conservative politics. And it looks like we might get something moving forward the next couple of years that is going to be bigger than the Tea Party movement could have ever imagined. And it starts and ends with candidates like you and ones that are running all over the country, which leads me to my next point. You know, th this is a team effort. Uh, we've been very friendly with you for over a year now. You, you've got an amazing wife and family. She's she's very interactive with our show as well. She's always hyping you up, and I'm putting out your guys' information across social medias whenever she sends it to me. But it takes a team to get this part over the finish line. You're about to be joined by someone who's uh, one of our favorite antagonists and definitely someone that's involved in politics at the conservative level for over four decades. You want to let our listenership know about that? Yeah, Roger Stone. I mean, talk about incredible. Um yeah, this is what's been amazing with this campaign is because we've been so engaged in standing up at the Capitol, standing up the lieutenant governor, standing up 
against the Utah, you know, establishment, they've made it very difficult for us to run. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's been very hard to find people who I trust to work on the campaign because no one wants to touch us because we are deemed, you know, we, you know, we are the redheaded stepchild that the state wants nothing to do with. <laughs> so we having a good team around us has been a real challenge. Well, through a series of all call it miracles. So we ended up getting connected to stone's team and, uh, and, and their team has come out and, and they have helped us drive this campaign to the next level. Stone is going to be coming out here uh, on Thursday. And again, Saturday is the day of the big day. That's the big gun show where it all goes down. So stone is coming out to meet with the delegates and to fire him up, and what is what's what he does? I mean, he's he's uh, he's a disruptor against the establishment. So he's going to come out here and remind Utah that look, Utah, uh, supposedly this is the state that believes in the Constitution. How come you're not even in the fight? And uh, we're going to fire Utah up and tell them it's their time to stand next to Florida and start pushing back. So incredible, incredible opportunity to stand uh, and fight with. I think one of the greatest uh, warriors for freedom this this country's known in the last very long time. Yeah, he sure is, and uh, you know he's he's connected to a lot of great friends on Steak for Breakfast. I know he represents Anthony Sabatini, who's been on the show. Mike Crispy, who's a reoccurring guest, he's his campaign guy as well. And to see him hitch his wagon to your guys's, you know, what you guys have done from day one, it's exploded. And, you know, you get on people's radar, and he obviously sees it. He's a very smart man, and he knows. You're talking about him going down there and firing up those delegates. I, I assume he's going to do that and even more. And to have the ability this weekend to knock the incumbent off of the uh, the ballot for the midterms is just something that's absolutely insane. But, listen, that plays right into your guys' game plan right now, and it looks like you guys are, at the very least, ready to make a big move. So very impressive to hear that, uh, see the success of your campaign and everything that's going on. And then you add Roger Stone to that element of your already – you know, tight knit family and uh, looks like it might be the recipe to get it over the finish line there. So uh, we're, we're definitely going to be tracking you guys moving forward and uh, are going to want you guys back as we get closer to the actual midterms to give us another update. We want to also be able to allow our listenership to uh, follow you guys across social media, support you guys in any way they can, if they're in Utah and of course donate to the campaign if, if they're uh, so inclined. So why don't you tell us where we could find you campaign website and then across socials. Yeah, the website is Preston, just uh, my last name, P-R-E-S-T-O-N, Preston for Congress. It's all spelled out, PrestonforCongress.com. And uh, yeah, you've got all sorts of videos on there, but also my Instagram handle is uh, UT, like Utah, Jason Preston. So UT Jason Preston. And same for uh, Facebook. And I don't do much Twitter, but uh, yeah, Facebook, Twitter. But uh, yeah, appreciate you guys. And uh you know, I really believe this is a battle of light and dark. And uh, there's a lot of the universe is aligning right now. You know, this the people are waking up. The darkness is being exposed. Uh, there's just too many things that are just not coincidences that are, that are lining up for the people to have, like you said, what happened to Tea Party, but 10 X. Yeah, there there is going to be a, uh, a push back to this tyranny. The people will are rising up. And uh, we know who wins, and we're on the winning side. So thank you guys for being leaders in that. Well, we're just taking the uh, example that you're out there sitting on the campaign trail and rolling it into what some would consider a decent podcast. This is the man that's fighting for we the people in Utah's 3rd District in the upcoming midterm elections. Best of luck this weekend, Mr. Jason Preston. Thanks for joining us on Steak for Breakfast.
God bless you guys. Thank you. You as well, sir. Great catching up with Jason Preston. Yeah. Everything that's going on in his campaign. Great to hear that Roger Stone's going to be working with him as well. Definitely an added element to the arsenal. Right. Heading into the weekend where they can get rid of the incumbent seat holder there and uh, move forward towards the general elections. And you'll be hearing about all that coverage and more. You can download all 127 episodes of Steak for Breakfast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcast, FM Player, and now iHeartRadio. Subscribe to the show and rate it. Leave a review. Don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast. Comment. Show creds this week obviously go to our great guest, Brent Hemacek from Human Events, Mr. Clay Clark of the Reawaken America Tour, and Jason Preston running for U.S. House seat out of Utah 3. In addition to that, some of our internet friends, Tagbro88, the Patriotic Babe Accounts, Mr. Garbaggio, Kyle Becker of Kyle Becker News, John Madden of Newsmax, Christina Bob of Save America, and Tom Pappert, the Editor-in-Chief of Valiant News Live. Friends, don't forget to go out and throw your hard-earned cash at some of our hard-working partners. Because when you do that, the only thing that happens is you help make small American businesses great again. My pillow. The pillow king of Minnesota. Apparatus, my pillow family. <laughs> Jesus has risen. Prices lower than ever before when you enter promo code steak at checkout. Mypillow.com forward slash steak is the website. Talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1 800 658 8045. the top tier of ear gear. I have never heard better sound quality in my life than I have since I've put these headphones on a couple months ago and I absolutely love them. If you're into things like gaming, they have console-specific headphones. Get yourself taken care of there. More importantly, your ears taken care of. Odyssey.com. Find them on Facebook and Instagram. Stay ready, gear holsters. Time's running out. Title 42 is over. So if you want a picture of the border wall on a Kydex concealed carry holster, they'll probably do that and get orders out faster than ever before. Stay ready, gear holsters. Find them at stayreadygear.com. Find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Man rubs. Don't mistreat your meat, and you won't do that when you buy it, shake it, sprinkle it, rub it, slow cook it, drizzle a little barbecue sauce. Hope he's going to hit the button, num, num, num. There. there it is. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms. Pretty simple equation for the things he's got going on down there. Firearms, parts, accessories, and ammo. Newly redesigned, easy-to-use website, westcoastsurvivalarms.com, or via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Find Mike on Facebook Messenger as well. Mediocre Medic for all our first responders. Some of their uh, tactical gear. And and rest easy with the flip-flops and fanny packs. Also enjoy their fire Instagram. MediocreMedic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair. Zero fucks duck. Don't know, go ask Mark Joe Friday. Dumpbox.us. Find him on Facebook. Find him on Instagram. Perfect. Upcoming shows. We're going to have a couple great ones. We're going to be joined by Norbin Laden on Friday. Got a couple moving parts in regards to guests for that show as well. We'll figure it out between now and then. At the end of the day, I'm pretty solid with uh, just Nor coming in on Friday. But we're going to be really busy next week. On the 26th, next Tuesday, Georgia 10 candidate Mike, T- Mike Collins, Thomas Massey's primary challenger in Kentucky 4, Claire Worth, Geisha Montez is going to be in with us to do the news. I know Noah's excited for that one. Nice. And we're going to do an America First Roundtable Edition. Arizona Senate candidate, Arkansas Senate candidate, Blake Masters, Jake Paquette here on Steak for Breakfast. 
following, uh, actually next Friday, the 29th, Joe Kett running in Washington 3. He'll be making his fifth appearance on the show. We're going to have Georgia senatorial candidate, one of the two who are for surely going to flip the power in the Senate, Mr. Herschel Walker. And we're going to talk a bunch of things with constitutional attorney, Newsmax contributor, Amir Benno. Getting into the following week, uh, on the 6th of May, Paige Wiley, former Trump administration official, current host of This Is Your Country podcast, and now pundit since he stepped down from his house race due to uh, contractual military stuff as he transitions into Space Force. One of our favorites, though, Mr. Andrew McCarthy, is going to be swinging back with us. Do a little bit of the news, and we'll have a good time with him as well. Friends of the Week. Hugh White Memes continues to share us every single place. Uh, Maria Unmuzzled, great shares this week. Truth on Draft 2.0, please tag the correct account. Sublime and Slime, what I mean to say, the Duke of Memes, Edward Russell, John Hacker, L.A., Grand old memes, that southern dude, Midnight Mitch. Mostly peaceful memes with his new Trump NFT avatar. Oh, dang. Didn't think I noticed I did. Dumbass Photoshop, Madam America, Silent Meme Jordy, Snack Thickelson, Spanix for DeSantis, Uncharted t- Territory, and Baby Cakes 2.0. Friends, think to remember between now and next show. We'll be back on Friday with that. Do your own research. You had Brent Hamachak of Human Events. You had Clay Clark of the Reawaken American Tour. They through everything at the walls today to see what sticks in your brain. If you want to see some stuff that's going on due to the narratives that they gave us, go do your own research and uh, learn about it a little bit more. Number two, start a podcast. Scheduling is never easy. Neither is editing. I'm just kidding. You don't have to do anything. We just actually show up and people call in. We don't even know who's calling day of show. It works out that simple. <laughs> Same thing with uploading it to the internet. So try that one out. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 127 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, and we'll be back on Friday with at least Norman Laden. On behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan. Noah? Later. Antoinette's going to be joining us back again soon. Thanks for listening, and take care. Sure as I'll try. Hi, I'm Abe Froman. Party of three for 12. Is there a problem? You're Abe Froman. That's right. I'm Abe Froman. The sausage king of Chicago. Yeah, that's me. Listen, young man. Entre nous, I'm very busy here. Why don't you take the kids and go back to the clubhouse? Are you suggesting that I'm not who I say I am? I'm suggesting that you leave before I have to get snooty. Snooty? Snotty. Snotty? Okay, Abe, <laughs> let's go. No, I'm not going anywhere. No, we like to be seated. Listen, young man, either you take the field trip outside or I'm going to have to call the police. The pol- You're gonna call the police on me? Yes. Fine, as a matter of fact, I'll call them myself. <laughs> yes. Old police. This will be a hoot. Here, give me the phone. I have another call. Huh. I've had enough of this horsing around. Give me the phone back. You touch me, I yell rat. There's another phone around here somewhere. Find it. Wonderful. I weep for the future. OK.
Okay, Ferris, can we just let it go, please? Ferris, please, come on too far. You get busted. A, you can never go too far. B, if I'm gonna get busted, it is not gonna be by a guy like that. Come on, Abe. Ask for Abe Froman. Shaky, bonjour. May I speak to Abe Froman? The sausage king of Chicago? Abe Froman? Let me check the restaurant. Could you describe him for me, please? Leather jacket? White t-shirt, sweater vest? Devastatingly handsome. Oh. Hold on one moment. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Mr. Froman, this is Sergeant Peterson, Chicago Police. 